Hey. Can you hear me? Yup. We are back. Alrighty. Episode 11. Here we go. Okay, maybe All right. All the notifications are popping up now on the phone. Liam? <laughs> All the notifications are popping up on the phone. Yeah, Sucio Sports with Keys and Jermaine. Episode 11 is live now. We got a little bit to talk about. Just a little bit. Not a whole lot. Some pretty cool stuff. But uh, let's see if everything is... The stars have all aligned. I'm vanilla baby. I'll choke you, but I ain't no killer baby. She 28, telling me I'm still a baby. I get love in Detroit like Skiller baby. And the thing about your boy is, yes. Young J A C K A K A Rico like Suave, Young Enrique speaking at A K A. She's an alpha, but not around your boy. She be quiet around your boy. Hold on, don't know what you heard or what you thought about your boy, but they lied about your boy. Going dumb and it's some idiotic about your boy. She wearing cheetah print. That's how bad you won't be spotted around your boy. Did you hear it? I think he's having a technical difficulty because I don't think he can hear me. Yeah, but yeah, you on. I see you. I don't hear you. We having a little technical difficulty, ladies and gentlemen. We'll get it figured out eventually. But um, episode eleven is off to a roaring start. <laughs> it's always something, man. But um, this past week was crazy, and it got crazier uh, within the last forty-eight or so hours. Uh, we've had all kinds of news drop. Uh. Just within the last couple hours or so before we went live, uh, there was a news report hit that possibly Bill Belichick and the Patriots are parting ways after this season. Now, I'll give credit where credit is due. The, The story was put out there by the score. Uh, the score seems to be a pretty reputable sports site. They're the the company verified gold check on Twitter, so they must be something. Uh, they have over six hundred twenty two thousand followers. Score has been around for a while. Uh, I'm not sure what other entities they, what other iterations they may have been around in, but I know I've seen them in their website for a long time. Um, 
but that that was just kind of crazy just to see that report. Now, it has not been substantiated or cross-referenced or put out there by any of the typical NFL insider luminaries, Adam Schefter, uh, or even Adrian Rodronowski, who typically will break something like this if it's big enough. Uh, nothing from Ian Rappaport. Uh, nobody in NFL Network has this. Uh, not even a – I haven't seen like a local – uh, Boston area paper even say that they had this this information. So we're talking about it. We're just bringing it to the forefront, saying that there was a report, whether it's to be believed or not, is here nor there. But it's something to monitor. Uh, one could definitely see the Patriots and Bill Belichick parting ways after this season, considering what that team is looking like as of right now. Um, especially when you look at the NFL standings, when you look at the playoffs, and the Patriots are so far out of it, it doesn't even make sense to mention them in it. Um, they're at the bottom. They're, they're, they're worse than the Jets, who just beat the, the brakes off the Texans this past weekend. The Patriots are 3-10 and 10 and easily the worst team in the NFC, the AFC, I'm sorry, by two games. They're tied with the Cardinals for the worst, the second to worst record in the league. And of course, the, the number one overall pick would have belonged to the Panthers, but they traded that away to the Bears. So the Bears have the first overall pick courtesy of the Panthers and they're one in 12 record. But um, just something to monitor uh, going into the offseason and whatnot, seeing what could potentially happen. But looking at the playoff picture, starting with that AFC where the Patriots are dwelling solely by themselves at the bottom. We didn't really have a whole, whole lot of change in the playoff picture. The only thing that got solidified to me this past week in the AFC playoff picture was that the Ravens are the, the, the top seat. Outside of that, there was nothing really that stuck out that said, Hey, you know, this was, you know, going to shake up the playoff picture or anything like that. I mean, you could say the Dolphins losing the way they did on Monday night to the Giants. Uh, you could say Kansas City uh, shooting themselves in the foot, literally. Uh, that that was, you know, terrible. I mean, just all the whining and crying and whatnot carrying on from Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, so on and so forth, when Kadarius Tony could have just done what he's learned to do since he was a kid is line up on side. Number one, number two, check with the ref when you're lining up to make sure you're lining up on side. Uh, so I don't really feel sorry for him in that situation. Does it suck? Yes. But, I mean, it is what it is. What can you do? You can't cry over spilled milk. Plus, they had other opportunities in that game to put that game away, and they just didn't put that game away. So there's only so much you can blame on the refs themselves. Uh, and I believe it was Dan Orlovsky who actually put out a uh, a comparison of the amount of times that Darius Tony actually lined up offsides in that that same exact game. Uh, so that to me uh, showed that you know it was it was done before. Now it is one of those new rules where they say it's like a point of emphasis. Um, where they talk about there's different rules that they're going to look at and force uh, so on and so forth that year. Uh, one of those rules is the offensive all sides. 
with that particular call, I believe it's the 11th time this year that there's been an offensive offsides call, right? There's the previous two seasons, there were three. Now, when a call is made three times in two seasons, and then all of a sudden it's made 11 times within the first 12 games of the following season, that shows you that, that yes, this is a point of emphasis. Now, there is the friendly, you know, gesture between the players lining up on the outside and the refs, you know, line up, make sure they're on side, whatever, you know, so on and so forth. They're supposed to check and the ref will tell you, yes, you are, you're good, or no, you need to back it up a little bit, whatever it is. When you go back and you watch those plays, um, specifically uh, that Dan Orlovsky tweet, he made sure to show that he did not check with the ref before those plays to make sure that he was on side correctly. So I'm just wondering... why wouldn't you check like that's your job you're supposed to when you're lining up out wide if you look at any play you could look at high school play college nfl everyone they all do it they line up you look to the ref at the nearest sideline you point at him make sure you're good he'll tell you hey you're good you're good and then you'll go i mean you're good you know, they'll, they'll let you know, hey, you're, you're good. Or he may say, you know, hey, back it up a little bit, good buddy. You know, you look a little bit tight. But they'll direct you in the right direction if you ask. You go back and look at those replays. Kadarius Tony never did that. The refs aren't just going to voluntarily tell you this. I, you have to ask. And it's like they say, a closed mouth don't get fed. But, I mean, that that was this week's controversial to-do in the NFL was the the offsides play that that took away the go-ahead touchdown uh, on a a great – I'm shocked Tony is still on the team. Great. Uh Uh-huh. What'd you say? It's 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 I'm just saying, crazy, I'm, uh, I'm shocked Kadarius Tony is still on the team. Oh, he's gonna be on the team. Like said, they're not going me? to just like cut him. Yeah, I hear you. I think you must be buffering coming in late, but um I I I see I see him he's gonna be on the team. I mean they're they're not gonna just cut him. It was a boneheaded play, yes, but like Orlovsky's video show, he lined up like that several times throughout that exact same game. and There was no penalty call. Uh, I believe I even saw a still shot of Jalen Waddle uh, from last night's game uh, where he lined up offsides and there was no penalty call. Um, but a lot of the times the refs may glance at it and they may be looking down the line of scrimmage and, and overlooking the wide receiver. 
So a lot of times they may not call it. And again, like I was saying a little while ago, it's one of those point of emphasis rules that they're obviously enforcing because of the amount of times that they've called it this year, 11 compared to three the previous two seasons. So it, it's just one of those things where it, it, it is what it is. Um, the number of injuries keeps piling up as we, we learned today that Justin Herbert is going to be out for the season with thumb surgery. Uh CJ Stroud for the Texans is in concussion protocol. Uh, the the Ravens brought a guy from the Patriots practice squad, Lamar's old Louisville college backup, in to be his backup. Um, wondering who else is hurt. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is still probably he. He should. You he know what's crazy? Trouble. Malik Cunningham. Yeah, when Lee Cunningham coming in for the Ravens is going to be nice, but the Trevor Lawrence thing, I'm wondering how well uh, his ankle I was is. saying Malik. I think you're having a buffer because, like, you you coming in, but it's, it's, it's sounding weird, like, when you come in, like, it's slow or something. But uh, the Steelers, they're having their issues with their injuries at quarterback. <laughs> Let's see. Because I want to say Kenny Pickett is he's going to be out. Uh, So just about everybody in the AFC has a quarterback issue has or had uh, in the case of the Colts, their rookie. He's out for the season. Uh, Kenny Pickett is out. Deshaun Deshaun Watson is out. Lawrence has an injury. Uh, Pat Mahomes is okay. Tua is okay. And Lamar is okay. So your top three seeds seem to be okay, but they're also uh, specifically two uh, guys who've had an injury history. Um, Lamar and, and, and Patrick Mahomes have been relatively healthy for their careers, but everybody else, until you get down to like the Broncos, which Russell Wilson hasn't had any issues this season. Uh, then the Bengals, of course, with Joe Burrow being out. And Josh Allen, there's only like because the six through 11 in the AFC is all seven and six. And there's all these tiebreakers and there's like two pages worth of notes with all the tiebreakers between all those teams. But what we're looking at is um, just a, a lot going on in the AFC playoff picture. And to me, one of the more shocking things is the Cleveland Browns being at eight and five. Uh, with Deshaun Watson earlier being banged up now out for the season, and then he wasn't even playing up to par. Uh, he, he was playing okay, but but not that great earlier on this season. So it, there's there's just a lot to uh, there's a lot to digest there when you're looking at that playoff picture and trying to see like what's going to go on or what are you going to do or how's it going to turn out or what have you trying to see like um i'm just wondering what's going to happen when we get to the playoffs who's still going to be standing uh because that's that's one of the biggest things that i'm wondering about is how are we going to How's it going to look uh, when you 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 see 
all these backup quarterbacks playing, is that going to change the way you bet or you view these playoff teams? Or is this sample size that these guys giving you, is this going to be enough for you to say, hey, yeah, I'm confident in this team uh, that I feel as though this team is going to go all the way or they're going to do something or be able to 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 uh, to to give you a good challenge. Uh, basically, it's almost the Florida State principle coming into play here. Um, Whereas they were left off of the college football playoffs simply because their starting quarterback was hurt and then the backup quarterback got hurt and the third string guy had to come in. Uh, There was that provision, like we talked about last week, where it kind of prevents. um, It it can can prevent you from getting in if there is a player and or coach and their availability is in question is basically what the rule says. And that's what happened with Florida state. So people were up in arms about that, but that's not the case here in the NFL. NFL, you win, you're in. It doesn't matter what, what injuries you have. If you manage to limp your way into the playoffs, you're in the playoffs. Uh, so that's just going to be an interesting thing to look forward to uh, because you have, you could have as many as three of the seven playoff teams in the playoffs playing with a backup quarterback as of right now would be the Browns, the Steelers and the Colts where their original starter is out for the season. Uh, As of right now, the the Texans, their quarterback is in concussion protocol. Uh, Broncos, he's healthy. Uh, Bengals are playing with their backup and Josh Allen is healthy again. So just looking at that AFC playoff picture, uh, injuries are going to play a huge part. Now, over in the NFC, we had some shifting going on. There was some furniture that was being moved in the NFC. As the Eagles took another tumble with another big loss, uh, Cowboys blew the doors off the Eagles, much like the 49ers did last week. And I know a lot of people probably looked at Nick Bosa's comments and were like, you know, we gave him the blueprint. Hopefully they watched the film, you know, kind of. Uh, arrogantly saying, like, you know, we kicked their ass. Can you do it? Laying down the gauntlet to the Cowboys, Uh, which, truth be told, like he has every right because the 49ers have sunned the Cowboys a lot lately, especially in the playoffs. Uh, So you got to kind of give him his due. Um, He made sure that, he put a statement out there and laid down the challenge and the Cowboys said, all right, bet, hold my beer, watch this and beat the Eagles 33 to 13 this week. Now, the crazy part about all of this is that the Eagles went from the one seed to the five seed because now Cowboys lead that division because they hold the tiebreaker over the Eagles. The six and seven Bucks are now the four seed over the ten and three Eagles. What that loss means right now to the Eagles, if the playoffs were to start right now at this instance, right? We would see the Eagles have to go on the road and play the six and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
How would you like to go from being the one seed, getting a bye in the first round, home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs, all the way down the playoff ladder to the five seed, and now you're going on the road to the winner of the AFC basement. The, the AFC, the, I can't even call it the South. I'm just going to call it the basement. Because anytime a team is six and seven and they're tied with two other teams in their division, six and seven, and they just happen to have the tiebreaker, which just happens to give them the division lead, which happens to give them that home uh, playoff game in the opening round. That's crazy. Uh, but again, in the NFC, that's just the way it is because you even have a team like the six and seven Green Bay Packers who own the seventh seed in the playoffs. Uh, as of right now, playoff starts today. They would be on the road against the Cowboys, and the three seed Lions would host the seven and six Minnesota Vikings. Uh, 49ers are now the one seed and would have the the bye in the first round and home field advantage throughout. Uh, just looking at some of those scores um, over in the the. NFC, the other thing that uh, I was looking forward to was that 49ers Seahawks game, which the 49ers end up just dominating it. And Brock Purdy emerged as the newest, you know, hot topic candidate for NFL MVP. I mean, hey, it is what it is. They, uh, it, it was just clicking. And the only thing I can say about watching that game, uh, there was almost nothing that Brock Purdy could do wrong in that game. He was just Purdy was just on a different level on that in that game. And there was very little to nothing that the Seahawks defense could do with him. Uh it got to the point where DK Metcalf got so frustrated he tried to suplex Fred Warner uh on the turnover. That was kind of funny. I think he was trying out for WWE. <laughs> Bro, you have no idea. Like, I, I've heard, I think I've seen it all. I, I, the only video I haven't seen is somebody put, like, a theme song to it. I don't is that two, think I've is seen that two that weeks yet. in a, I, I feel like this is this is two weeks in a row that the, the 49ers are in, like, scuffles that are, like, WWE-esque. Well, there was there was another one. I don't. Well, did they get into it last week with the Eagles? Yeah, remember that's what happened with uh with Big Don. Oh, on the side that's right, and, that's uh, right, that's right. With the with the headline, the, the security guy. Okay. Yeah, it was because he slammed was a, uh, Devontae Smith. That's okay, but there was another one. Um, who did they get into it with earlier this season? And Trent Williams was came in like. Throwing grown men around like toys. It was somebody else they got into uh, it earlier this year. Shit, who was it they got into it with? What up, Sloan? There, there was somebody else I remember them getting getting into it with earlier this year. But he was he was just, I mean, he 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 was throwing people around like it was nothing. And but this one was kind of crazy because you can tell. It was almost like one of those frustration files in basketball. Yeah. It, it was something to me like that. And, and DK was just pissed off at how the game was going. And 
Yes, he was trying to make a tackle, but no, he did not have to try to German suplex a linebacker. <laughs> but also, DK is built like a linebacker, so there's that. There, there is that. So it wasn't exactly like, you know, where you see some five foot eleven, you know, hundred and ninety pound wide receiver trying to go at this two hundred and fifty pound linebacker. Like I'm not scared uh, of you, but you should. This be. man, this man, the same size as Fred Warner. Exactly. They're, they, they, I mean, they could they could switch positions and nobody would really know except Fred has dreads and he's light skinned and DK is short hair and he's dark skinned. Like they, they both about the same build, but it's pretty good. yeah, man, it, it's that was kind of crazy to see. But I, I I thought that even with Drew Lock playing, because the reason why I, I I thought that Seattle might give them a better game than that because those 49er Seahawks games are always pretty tight because those teams are going to play good defense. Um, they're going to try to run the ball and. You know, they know each other so well. So it's not like there's anything that the other team is going to do that the other team doesn't know about. It that, was, but I feel like it, it would have been a different game if uh, if it was a different quarterback in. I think the quarterback play is what made the game different. Mm-hmm. Um, because Drew Locke was in, I kind of knew the 49ers were going to watch him. I didn't. I honestly didn't give Seattle a fighting chance before that. If it wasn't for the turnovers, I believe. Let's see. I know the Seahawks lost the turnover battle, but I can't remember how bad it was. Let me pull that up real quick. But they, it would no. It was two to two because that's right. Because um, Purdy did throw the one pick, and then they had somebody fumbled or something. But yeah, yeah. And, and Drew Locke threw his two picks. But the thing was, the third down efficiency was so overwhelmingly in favor of the 49ers. They both had 11 third downs, but the 49ers converted six. Seahawks only converted two. That's where you, when you don't lose the turnover battle and you're looking for something else, I mean, the 49ers won by two scores, but they had 200 total yards of offense more than what the Seahawks had. They only converted four more third downs than the Seahawks converted out of the same 11 tries. But when you look at the discrepancy in that game, to me, those third down conversions mean a hell of a lot more than we gained, we outgained y'all by 200 yards. <clears throat> because even if you're converting on if you let's say you have a bad third down conversion efficiency, but you get a couple of long touchdowns and you're keeping yourself in the game, or you get a couple of turnovers and you're able to score easily off those turnovers, you're not going to rack up a whole lot of yards, but you're going to keep yourself in the game. But if you're steadily converting exactly. third downs, moving the ball down the field, and you're not losing the turnover battle, that's when you'll have time of possession on your side. Uh, if you're scoring, then you, you know you're going to keep yourself in the game more that way than just oh we got a lot of yards. So I like to look at like turnovers, third down conversions, and then also the rushing yards <clears throat> because rushing yards mean you're sustaining drives, you're able to run the ball. If you're able to still run the ball and run the ball effectively, you're piling up the rushing attempts and the rushing yards. You're controlling the clock. You're probably going to win the game. But that's just me. I like I don't I, I don't mind new school football, you know, throwing it 50, 60 times a game. But at the same time, I still appreciate teams 
um, like the 49ers, uh, like, you know, the, the, the Dolphins or some of these other teams out here that, that still like to run the ball, but yet still get creative doing so. Yeah. Um, one of the other uh, scores that really caught my eye was this gem of a baseball game that we had between the Vikings and the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm watching the game, right? Bruh. <laughs> it is the fourth quarter with like two minutes left, and it's still 0-0. Zero, zero. <laughs> and I'm like, Bruh. let me tell you my let me tell you what my dumb ass did. So y'all know, I bet, you know, I had my parlay <laughs> set up. So I'm like, oh, Vikings and Raiders? I'm like, okay. I'm like, uh, Jettas is back, touchdown. Devontae Adams, touchdown. Josh Jacobs, touchdown. Because the defenses are good, but I'm like, offensively, these niggas should go crazy. I'm like, Jettas should easily have one. Madison should get one. Addison should get one. I picked all three of them. I was like, cool. On the other side, I was like, all right, Devontae's going to get one. Josh Jacobs at least going to get a running one. That's two. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about uh, it's two minutes left in the fourth quarter, and I'm like, yeah, this parlay is done. There's no way I'm getting any of this in two minutes, bro. Unless you should have known that. overtime. You should have known that at half at halftime. I'd have been like, I couldn't. Yeah, check this it. Angle By that point, it was in. <laughs> it was in at that point. I was like, bro, this game pissed me off. I'm like, how y'all put up goose eggs until like two minutes left, and the Vikings bro. literally only score a field goal. It's crazy. I- I told y'all. I told y'all about Dobbs. I told y'all. Dob- I told y'all. Dobbs didn't play though, did he? Or yeah, he played. Play? Then he got benched for um. I want to say they going with Mullins. They've already announced. Yeah, Mullins. Like, yeah, yeah Mullins, Mullins came in and played because they benched Dobbs. And then they announced, uh, I think today maybe or so that uh, Mullins is going to start this weekend. So. But I mean, <clears throat> it, he had his Linsanity type of run, you know, for a few oh. games, and he kept a minute. Uh, he he basically came in and did what you want a good backup quarterback to do, and yeah. that's give your team a fighting chance. And he did that, but he could only sustain that for so long. And so now they need to turn to, you know, Nick Mullins, and hopefully he can, you know, give him a fighting chance and sustain that I for still- a little while. I still like Dobbs. I just I think with that offense they have, he it's not them. It's he's gonna he's naturally gonna try to do too much where he mm-hmm. didn't he doesn't have to. You mm-hmm. have Madison in the background backfield. You have Addison, Hawkinson, and now you got Jettas back on offense. You just need the O line to give him time to get the ball out of his hands. Mm-hmm. It's now. It's, I mean, it sounds it sounds easy. It sounds cut and dry, and I know it's not. right, right, right. You know, but realistically, I'm like, with what they have, hell, I can get my ass back there and get these niggas the ball. Like, damn. Now, here's the thing, though. Uh, Jettas is now hurt. Again, monitor. Yeah, because of that that chest injury or what have you that he suffered in that game. <clears throat> that put him out for that game. I ain't gonna lie. I I shut him down for the season. I there's was no just team. getting ready. That's where I was going with this. Because there's no you, way you read Vikings, my mind. The Vikings are close as far as playoffs. Like the Lions got that division clearly, of course. 
Bears. Um, I still think they're a better team than the Bears, but at this point, I'd shut Jettas down. Addison is looking great as a rookie. Um, now here's I, here's here's that's here's just me where here's where your belief in your quarterbacks coincide with your, the confidence you have in the health of your wide receiver. Uh, Bradley Bill just came out and hit a three to open up the the the, the Suns Warriors game. I think this is his first action of the season. Uh, we'll touch on that later, though. But I just have to spit that out there right quick since I just saw it. But um, they're seven and six right now. Like I talked about when I was talking about the playoff picture a little while ago. Um, just to kind of loop it back with you in here now. Um, they're they're in the sixth seed right now behind the Eagles at the five seed, which is still the way that that I, I I talked about it earlier. But I mean, we could circle back to it real quick since you're here. But um, the other teams below them, the Packers at six and seven, the Rams at six and seven, the Seahawks are at six and seven, mm-hmm. and then the Falcons and Saints are at six and seven. And With- we talked about it in the group chat that that NFC South is gonna over the next uh what what we got left four weeks five weeks five weeks five four is it four hold on eighteen four. fifteen six seventeen eighteen. Uh, one, two, one, two, three. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. About four yeah. weeks left. Yeah, because everybody played left. 13 games. <clears throat> so, um, that I NFC South them the NFC basement earlier because I only you can't even call them the South. They just so terrible Man. right now. But over the next four weeks, that division is going to flip flop so much outside of the Panthers because they just ass. <laughs> yeah, them niggas ass. They ain't going nowhere. But outside of those three teams, it's literally going to flip flop between Atlanta, um, Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm actually when I was looking at the records, I was like, hold on, how the fuck is Tampa Bay ahead of everybody? But um, between Atlanta, the Saints, and Tampa Bay, it's really going to flip flop. Um, I think it's probably more than likely going to flip flop between Tampa Bay and um, Atlanta, but. Check out the reason why the, the the Bucks. This is the explanation for their tiebreaker. Uh, they win the tiebreaker over Atlanta based on best win percentage in common games, and they own the tiebreaker over the Saints because of the head to head. They they beat them in the first game they played. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. You huh. have those guys, and like I was saying, the this was a a real critical loss for the Eagles and you talked about this last week that I said it. if they dropped this the- game that that's why I I, I kind of got into it and I was like man I really hope his stuff gets straightened out because you called this for the last before, couple of weeks actually the before, last weeks. before that Chiefs game started I said mm-hmm. to it, I said going into that four game uh, um, patch because I won't count the Seahawks win. I was just mm-hmm. going up until the Cowboy. I said we're going to go two and two or three and one. I did not have us going four and zero. Oh. I knew we wouldn't sweep it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what two games we would drop. I didn't know which games we would win or which one we would drop. The Forty Nine er one. I kind of figured it would be that one. But also, we always split the series with the Cowboys, so it's not a huge thing to me that we lost only because one. We can still uh, win out in the division and still come out good in the conference at number two. Um, 
by winning the next four. We have Seahawks, uh, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. Sounds easy. Totally, when you hear those teams, you're like, oh, cakewalk, right? Cardinals mm-hmm. probably will be Giants. They're going to put up a fight, but I still believe in us over them. Uh, kind of the same thing, like you were saying with Dobbs. Uh, I don't believe in DeVito, and that defense is going to – DeVito hasn't seen – since he's been the starter, he hasn't really seen a defense like what the Eagles defense – defensive line and linebackers can do. D-backs, and eh, I, I hate our D-backs, and I hate our defensive coordinator, but we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but for the for the most part, um, I, the Dallas game, I didn't think it would be as bad as it was. Um, mm-hmm. But also, we've been, and me and you, so we've talked about this on here, and I've been very open and real about it because I'm that fan. I'm not the, the delusional one. Um We've been getting by week after week. We've won. Other teams have made mistakes that we've capitalized off of. Um, that Chiefs game uh, with uh, Marquise uh, Valdez-Scantlin uh, uh, missing that um, pass that should have he should have caught for them to win. That's on them, not on us. You know, we capitalized and won. Same thing in Buffalo. Uh, overtime game, we capitalized and won. But I knew eventually it would catch up with us, and it did with the 49ers because, as I had said after the Bills win, that Chiefs defense is Mm -hmm. stifling. And as much as I don't like Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy has that offense playing so good that they're going to capitalize off of when the defense – Makes the offense make a makes makes any offense make a mistake. Um, yeah, when you can force them into making those mistakes and stuff like that, that's when you you can kind of you, you can you creating turnovers. It's almost like in basketball when you your your defense becomes your offense. You can do the same thing in football when you can create those turnovers and flip field position or. another way you can flip field position is when you pin a team back and you don't let them get a couple of first downs to advance the ball, you know, have them punt from inside there in inside the 20 or inside the 25, or don't let them get that far. Then you can flip field position that way. There's more than one way to skin a cat, but it's like, you gotta, you gotta make sure you're putting yourself in a position to succeed. And you can only put yourself in a position to succeed and give your chance there's your team a chance to win if you're operating all three phases of the game. You can't be too heavy in one phase of the game and think that, okay, yeah, we're gonna do this now. Because as we saw, uh the Eagles had, you know, the offense can work, but unless that defense gets stops, they're not gonna go anywhere. And if that offense isn't working, they have to rely on their defense. Uh same thing, like I, I saw um a graphic the other day that talked about one of the greatest regular season games ever played that that Chiefs Rams game that they played in Mexico City where the final score was like I think 54 51 or something crazy like that. I, re- I remember that game. They neither offense could stop the other offense. It was just nope. a shootout. Mhm. And it won't on it won't anything bad on the defenses cuz that year both of their defenses were amazing. Just the offenses also were just they were amazing. next level otherworldly. Yep. <clears throat> and I mean, so. when you when when I see complete teams who can do a little bit of everything, um, 
teams like the 49ers. Uh, the Cowboys have looked pretty good on both sides of the ball this year. Uh, the Eagles have looked good on both sides of the ball this year. Um, yeah. They Well, they have. I mean, I know you're an Eagles fan. I know you may disagree with me, but they've looked pretty good on both sides of the ball this year. The Ravens have held it together despite injuries on both sides of the ball this and year. We've talked about that one. That one has shocked me because I'm like, with the, the key injuries, it's not just yes. injuries. Yes. It is the key injuries that they have. And yeah. they have been the epitome of next man up. And I have loved it. Another team been- that's looked good on both sides of the ball this year that's still kind of showing out. And, and I'm glad it was funny because me and my kids were talking to my girl. She was like, the Lions are terrible. We were like, nah, the Lions going to be good nah. this year. And Bro, we said that. We said the it. Lions, they've held it up this year. You know, number and we've two. been talking about them from the beginning. Number two. They easily could be number one in the in, uh, mm-hmm. NFC right now. Or easily. NFL at that. Exactly. Exactly. Easily. Because they've dropped games where you look at how that team has come together and how they've played and how they're capable of playing. And it's like that team is 9-4, and four, but they could easily be 11-2 and two without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. That, that Ravens game, Ravens killed them. Mm-hmm. But it was still, you know, I, I didn't take that as that's who they were. You know what I mean? Like, that was just one of those games where everything was clicking right for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Ravens have had any other game like that this season other than that Lions one where they just totally demolished, you know, a team. But the playoff picture is looking uh, – it's, it's interesting uh, on both sides, AFC and NFC. Uh, that um, AFC North somehow <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> The Steelers are six, the Browns are five, uh, Ravens one, and I'm like, how? Hey, man, Mike Tomlin is over there holding it together with Gorilla Glue and Ace Bandages. (laughs) So, I have a question, right? Let's Small one about Mike Tomlinson, but he's he's at least finished eight and eight or better his Mm -hmm. entire career. Because last season, I think, Mm -hmm. was eight and eight. Barely. If he don't finish eight and eight, but makes the playoffs, is this still a? Is that like he technically ends his streak of a quote unquote winning season because of the record, right? Mm-hmm. But he still makes the playoffs because the AFC sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, they were nine and eight last year. Nine and eight. Okay, so yeah, like, Mike Tomlin has yet to finish below five hundred. Uh, nine seven and one the year before. Exactly. So I'm like, he's literally had a winning season every year. He has not had a below 500 <laughs> year. If he finishes below 500, but I like Dre's playoffs, comment. Is it Mike a win? Tomlin, I like Dre's comment. Mike Tomlin is a coach who figures out how to win. He does. Period. I love him. I Period. Think, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I'm only saying this because I'm. I'm Looking at what we were talking about earlier uh, with the Bill Belichick stuff, yeah, it, Mike Thomas in this in uh up in Foxborough don't look bad. He ain't gonna lead the Steelers, but look, but he's still young. Be, he's the, still young enough though that exactly the Steelers will be idiots to get rid of Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is the kind of coach where. And they usually do for life coaches. I mean, this yeah, is, he's they, only their, they've only he's had, their third coach. Yeah, then like I want to say the last like 50 years. He's like it, the it entire was, franchise. It was Chuck Noll, 
Bill Cowers, and now him, Mike Tomlin. That's all they've had. So I'm like, and he's still <laughs> Tomlin's only what? He's forty. I think he's he forty nine, or he may be in his fifties now. Give me, give me one second. Let me look it up because I can't remember. I I want to say he's like I know he's fifty one, maybe. Some, somewhere around there, because I know his son is at college, so he's at least... He's 51. Yeah, he is 51. That's what I right. thought. He's 51. Young. That's young in NFL coach days. Because if you think about it, NFL coaches are like how the president is. They just be you old. Got, you got peak... <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got some that are like 39, 40. Like a Sean McVay. I think Sean McVay ain't even turned 40 yet. He's been coaching for uh, forever. I know he's then younger you got, than... He's you got guys like Bill Belichick, who's 71. Right. And Pete Carroll. I think Pete Carroll's like a little bit older than Belichick. I think he's like 72, maybe 73. Andy Reid's in his, you know, 60s. I mean, you just got all these guys, and and then you look Actually, at. Yeah, McVay is young. McVay is uh, a year older than me by a couple of Vrabel months. is 48. Uh, McVay turns 38 in January. So McVay isn't even 40 yet. He's he's probably he's still not even the youngest. I think uh I want to say our head coach is the youngest, but he might not be. McVay still might be the youngest head coach. But um yeah, like Tomlinson is young enough that he could coach into he he's like Belichick. He's gonna be a I think he's barring any like horrible, horrible you know seasons. I'm pretty sure he's going to be a for lifer like everybody else has been with the uh, Steelers. Cower was actually kind of young when they finally fired him. If you think about it, man, Cower wasn't McVay, even old when they fired him. McVay is 37. Uh, Kevin O'Connell for the Vikings is 38. Okay, so he's young. Shane Steichen is 38. Really? Uh, D'Amico awesome. is th- and this was at the beginning of the season. Uh, D'Amico is 39. Okay, with the I knew Texans, he was around there. Uh, Zach Taylor is forty with the Bengals. Those are the five youngest. Um, those yeah, are the so. five youngest NFL head coaches heading into this season. Okay, so yeah, like I, I still he's he's definitely a for lifer. But to pose that question, is this season a wash? <laughs> if he gets in the playoffs, but he does not have a quote unquote winning record, no. I wouldn't. I, it it just be. Okay, is it a winning wow, season? This is the first time. Why would you call it a winning season if they didn't have a plus five hundred record? If they're not not okay. and nine and eight, then it's not a winning season. But I'm not going to say it's a wash because you still made the playoff. Just so happened that the whole division. It, it just so asked. happens that it, if if it was a shitty season in the NFC and I mean the AFC and you backdoored your way in with a, a eight and nine record, then hey, you backdoored your way in with an eight and nine record. Considering <laughs> all the the roster turnover and the injury that they've had with their quarterback and whatnot, I wouldn't be mad at it. Okay, especially with that quarterback room. I will. Uh, you pulled up the AB space that day uh, when we caught the tail end of it, but yeah, <laughs> which was funny. I'm not gonna lie. It was. It was. It was. It, was, it, was, it was quite strange. Yeah, it was, but it, was, it was cool though. It it wasn't because it wasn't it wasn't like erratic a, AB. It exactly. was exactly it wasn't wild AB. He was really they the questions that he was being asked were good. Um, you know, as far as the football questions, mm-hmm. um, him continuously talking about pulling up to a <laughs> to the tailgate, 
He's like, yeah, dude, him wanting to perform. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Put that shit on. It's my shit still, boy. I mean, that was, but yeah. um, it was it was a good space. I liked a lot of what he said as far as like the Steeler culture and you know being somebody who played there. The mm-hmm. you know what he thinks needs to happen to turn it around. Uh, he still believes in Kenny Pickett. You know, um, I think it is time to go ahead and let uh, Mason Rudolph finish out the season. You know, I mean, at this point, Trubisky got hurt again, if I remember. So, uh, yeah, I um, believe so. So they're they're just snake bitten right now, man. And and it's the it's the league. It this season has been horrible for quarterbacks and being hurt. There's only a handful of quarterbacks who have played every week, you know, and yeah. not been out at least one yeah. week. There's literally yeah. a handful. So, yeah. ev- like, this is, like you said, a lot of teams are going to make the playoffs with backups. It's crazy because uh, with This could be just Stroud, like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl with a backup. With Nick Foles, like this, yeah. Yeah, this could be one of those seasons. I don't think so. I mean, you never know what could happen once the playoffs start. Or but, uh, that year the Giants won it when uh, Phil Sims went down and Hostetler pulled it out for him. Uh-huh. Uh, shit, so, Doug Williams wasn't – I don't believe Doug Williams was, I don't the, think Doug was the starter. Re- was the Redskins starting quarterback in 87. Uh, I'm trying to think of what other backups. Kurt uh, Warner, the most famous one. Yeah, Warner definitely you know? was not the, the starter. That was Trent Green's team until he blew his ACL in the preseason. So there's there's yep. been teams who have done it in the past. Um, you also seen teams who you know at least gotten there with a, with a backup. And I remember the Frank Wright game coming in for Jim Kelly and pulling the, that that comeback against the Oilers in I think it was '93. So there's there's been times where teams have done some amazing things with their backup quarterbacks in the playoffs. It's not to say that we're just totally being dismissive of all these teams with all these injuries. It's just, again, it, it's almost that the, I'm just going to start calling it the Florida State rule. When you're missing one of your key cogs, especially the key cog, mm-hmm. people just aren't going to take you as serious. That's just, it is what it is. No shade to nobody. But <clears throat> looking at this coming week before you wrap up the NFL, I'm seeing games on the schedule that I'm starting to get excited about at the end of the season. But honestly, the most intriguing game that I'm looking forward to is going to be that Baltimore-Jacksonville game on Sunday Night Football. I actually like the Baltimore-Miami one uh, December 31st on New Year's Eve. I'm thinking about going because it's in Baltimore. No, I'm just uh, talking about just for this upcoming week. Oh, this week, this week. Yeah, this this coming week. I thought you were looking at like the oh, remainder. Oh no, of the no, no! Season. Just this coming week. Just this coming week. Like there's games okay. at the end of the season. Like there's, you know, there's always going to be those games towards the end of the season where you're looking at them and you're like, "Ooh, we got a good matchup here." Um, the the yeah. Texans and the, the the Titans with Stroud being and Stroud and all his receivers being hurt, and then you got the Titans, Titans pulled, who hey, just Both pulled boys. out. I mean, you want to talk so, about pulling out your ass? So when we talked about the draft, like amongst us, because mm-hmm. we at that point we didn't have Susio Sports yet, so we weren't talking about it like live or anything, right? Other than like on spaces, but going into the the draft, I I cannot remember if it was who it was specifically, but I remember everybody was talking about uh uh 
Titans picking um, Will Levis. Will Levis, and everybody was like, they already had Malik Willis, right? And nobody <clears> believed <throat> in, in uh, Will Levis going in. You know, mm-hmm. I've I've been right about a lot this football season. I think I've been a guru this year. I don't know. I said Will <laughs> Levis going to Tennessee was going to be good for him. I liked mm-hmm. him going there because I was like, I like what they had. Derrick Henry, them picking mm-hmm. up. At that point, they didn't have um, uh, hops, uh, D-Hop yet. Yeah, right. They didn't have him yet, but I still liked the team in him. And I was like, that's a good fit mm-hmm. for him. And so far since he's been in, even in losses, he's still been a good fit for that team. And I like him going forward, especially going into next season, him getting a full offseason. Because mm-hmm. he's probably going to be the starter next year. Like, oh, without he, a doubt. Especially what he did last night uh, in Miami. I watched <laughs> the end of that game. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with a full offseason, he's going to look even different next year. I like the rebuild with him. Um, yeah. The thing that I liked, I remember when we were talking about this and I remember the only pushback I really gave was if Derrick Henry still has something left in the tank at that time. And if Traylon Burks can become, you know, a Debo Samuel type of player for them, you know, a good playmaker who can also run the ball because he he's built almost like a, a running back style linebacker type of wide receiver. But I was like, if they can get anything out of him and, and if, if Henry has something left in the tank, you know, he's got a good backup when they drafted Tajay Spears from Tulane. So I'm like, OK, they, they got a little there. They got a little something there, but it's up to those veterans that's there if they have anything left. Then when they went out and got D-Hop, I was like, OK. Let's just see what they can do. Who they're going to settle on? They settled on Tannehill, he which I knew they would. Through, and then I knew they, they would at up. least start the season with Tannehill. And know, see, this is because I remember we talked about it specifically. I want to say your idea was let Tannehill start and then bring in Levis if he's if he sucks. Yeah, if he sucks, or if, if at some point Levis shows that he has some sort of. You wanted to like slow roll it, basically exactly what the Titans did, exactly, and exactly what almost pretty much like how you said it was going to go. It was going to go. Now you didn't say like I think he's going to come in and 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 lead him to a comeback. And he's going to be the best and blah blah. All you said was was bring him in, slow roll it, but eventually turn the keys over to him, see what you got in the kid. And I he's like it. I like it going forward. I don't know if it's enough to keep Henry there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mm. Well, I love it, here's here's another thing to look at. If they feel like they got they got their guy with Levin, right? And you want to build around him. He's still on that rookie deal. You got. I want to say he was a second round pick. You have at least three more years of him on that rookie deal. Spend money. Spend money. If you feel like he is the guy and you don't need to go out and find a quarterback, do you spend trade money. do you trade Henry for the draft picks? Or I'm, no, I need to look. you keep him and you try to add other people well, around Levis. He's a free agent after this year, right? Uh 
he I may believe. be so because <clears throat> I know a lot of people have been talking about him uh, in Baltimore next year, and it wasn't trade; it was more like free agency. Um, I can Hold up, I'm about to pull it up in just a second. But um, the 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 one thing that I do know, even if Derrick Henry is a free agent after this year, spend money to bring him back. You know what I'm saying? Spend money to bring him but back. At this because... point, but at this point in Derrick Henry's uh, career, right, he's got the money. He's made the money with Tennessee. Tennessee has paid him very handsomely. I think for him and what he may have left as a running back, because we know how running backs, uh, you know, career shelf life, and he's actually surpassed that where most running backs would have already been, like, thrown out the pasture. Do you chance it staying there for more money, or do you try to go get a ring now? Because at this point, he can go to a Baltimore where you put him in that backfield. That's an entirely different offense now, and I love that. You, you, he goes hypothetically. Let's say he goes to a Chiefs. I love Pacheco. I like McKinnon, but you put a mm-hmm. Derrick Henry in that backfield. That's an entirely different, dangerous offense. And check this a out. Buffalo. You put him in a Buffalo with Allen and and uh and what they got. And again, a and I like again, I like all of these things running backs, but a Derrick Henry in free agency is like, hey man, I know what we got, but god damn it, Henry right there. Like <laughs> he's he, stupid his contract voids on February twenty third, twenty twenty. Okay. And that's what I thought. So he's so, he's a free agent. Right, with the restructuring and everything, they it, those last two years got uh, had a void clause uh, triggering them. So I don't <clears> think he stays. I I mean, if I'm him, I'm going. I'm not gonna lie. Even with the young Will Levis, even with mm-hmm. what the potential could be, even with D Hop there, I still don't believe in the team as a whole mm-hmm. to stay for another contract. Unless at this point, I'm saying. I'm worrying about the future of my family and not my legacy. Cause a lot of players, they, that's what they battle with where it's like, and I've seen it in the NBA where some teams have gone somewhere else for money instead of ring because they're like, I ain't even worried about the ring no more at this point. I just want to keep, keep getting this money, you know, and set myself up for the future. Mm-hmm. But if I'm him with what he can still do, even last night, I'm watching him run and I'm like, Henry is still that guy. He is still that guy. I'm looking at a Baltimore more than any of the other teams. I might even be looking at, and I like what the Lions got a running back, but I'm looking at a Lions. I'm looking at a a potential Philly, even a Dallas. I'm kind of looking at all of these teams that are at the top of the playoff picture right now, and I'm like, this you know, he he could change an entire offense. He's that type of player where he can make your entire offense look so much different with the weapons that you already have. I don't think he stays, though. I really think that there's nothing Tennessee can do to keep him there. But we've seen stranger things happen, but I just don't. They would have to bring in... There's know. there's gonna be there's gonna be some movement and some shifting going on, but I keep I, I keep telling people like a player like a Derrick Henry, when you get a running back who has that running style at his age, he'll be 30 going into next season. 
Okay. Running back at running back time where they're thrown out the pasture. And this man is still running like he's in his twenties. Early twenties. A little bit. Twenties. A little so, bit. He doing I'll right. put, put a bag. Not I ain't saying a big bag, but I'd put a nice if I'm, you know, a team that is a running back away or a running back that could like him that could change our like I said, change our offense and make it even more dangerous, I would throw a nice number at him and kind of, you know, let him, like, go in with that same thing. Like, man, Derek, you're, you could change our offense. You're what we've been missing. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I liked our running game, but I would love our running game with you in the backfield. I mean, honestly, I could find somebody that could tote the rock and give me 4.1 yards of carry that I ain't got to throw it back at. I could get that in the fourth round. So I mean, look. I mean, to be honest, Philly did that. That's why they let. Uh, oh boy, that's what I'm so saying. Like they let them walk so easy. I but mean, this Swift, is this is why we got Swift. We got Swift for nothing. We ain't using this them. This is why. This is why running backs have been so devalued. Is because they've become more specialized. And when you got a guy who can do a few different things, like a Christian McCaffrey. Uh, 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 Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones. Um, when you got guys who are multifaceted, uh, guys like a Derrick Henry. How long is Kamara with the Saints? He's got, I think he's got one or two more years left. Uh, but the the thing is, is like you, you look at, you look at the way the running back position has changed over the years and how it's become devalued. Yeah, and, and that's it's why. because shelf life of NFL player overall, I want to say, is like three, three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Shelf life of a running back is probably just under that because they literally get hit every single play. And once you and get that first, once you got that knee injury, and you, you can work your way down, back. Man, you can you work, can work your, your way, way back, back and you're never the same. On. You're uh-huh. never the same, and you're always going to have something that's going to slow you down. So a lot of the times uh, what people don't realize is is that it's it's not an easy position to play. It's probably one of the toughest, if not the toughest. But they just don't get valued the way they used to because they aren't used like they used to be. And so that's just something that you have to come to grips with when you're a guy like a Derrick Henry who's 29 uh, going into a free agency year at a position where teams are traditionally like, well, screw it. I'm not even paying a running back on a second contract, much less paying a running honestly, back on a third contract. You honestly can get a a rookie coming out of the draft that's going to surprise you in the third or fourth round. It ain't yep. even got to be a first, second round running back no more. Yep, You're going to get a good <laughs> running back between three to six now. To yeah. be completely honest. That comes and, in. And, and if you – if you fit them in with like specific skill sets, like if you have a guy who catches the ball out of the backfield or who can line up in the slot or out wide, uh, but he's a traditional quote unquote running back, but he just lines up outside or catches the ball more. Okay, cool. I got my third down guy. Yep. If you got a guy, you look at it now. Right. Yep. If you got a guy who's about, you know, six foot two thirty, you know, built like a fire hydrant and runs like a bowling ball. Got okay, your power got my short yardage guy, my power yep. guy, you know, or you may even have different styles of runners. Like I see this guy is a one cut zone type of runner, or as I see this guy over here, he's more of a power scheme type of runner. 
whatever scheme I run, I will draft that sort of running back to fit that scheme. And I realize that, like, and I'm, I'm all anytime we're talking about stuff, I'm always going to go to Philly because that's just my team. But, um, I realize that with them, you have Swift, you got Gainwell, and you got Boston Scott. All mm-hmm. three of them, like you just described, do different things. Mm-hmm. I think Swift is Swift is a really good just running back. He's just a running back. You can kind of line him up left, right, slide, wherever, hand him that ball, and he's going to get you those yards. He has mm-hmm. finesse and power. Mm-hmm. He can cut. He can. He does it all. Gainwell, to me, is a good short yardage. Um, he's a good one cut, and he can also line up in the slot. Boston Scott. He's more of a goal line, short yardage. Um, like you said, those short, stocky ones that can just pound it and get through the middle. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna get you that touchdown on the, you know, with five five yards or less, Boston Scott's right there. So and a couple other teams have I think it's rare when you can have three like that. Some teams have two, some just have one, but you can go find that in the draft. Like you said, I can yeah. draft three rookies that can do it, exactly it's, that. It's simple. It's blessed. simple to find that in the draft. Like you can you can put it together and make it work. Uh but the thing is is like I don't think I don't think people really understand because everybody wants to say they should do this or they should do that. But you got to understand the game is also a business. Like it's not just let's do whatever it is that we want to do and, and you know um let's make things happen the way we want things to happen. It's a business. And sometimes, you know, the business side of things works, sometimes it doesn't. Um like, for example, just to touch on this real quick as we transition from the NFL, Shohei Otani finally picked his team. And I know you tweeted that out, the Otani watch. I got misled, like John Morosi got misled with the, the bad source thinking that he was going to Toronto, you know? Next thing you know, Shohei drops the, the L.A. Dodgers pick on IG, just plain old blue background, white block letters. Hey, I'm going to the Dodgers. Seven hundred million million over ten years. Woo-hoo. You look at that. When it bought my son a baseball bat that same day. <laughs> I ain't I haven't given it to him yet. Have not given it to him yet. But Man, I bought it. Well put it in his hand now. Tell him, hey, get used to this, son. Get used to it. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Don't worry about it. Uh, that and a soccer ball. That's all he needs for the rest of his life. Because <laughs> yes, these numbers, these numbers are crazy. Now, crazy. One of the things that I, I loved about this contract uh, is that they 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 found a loophole. Basically, I want to say yeah. You said the verbiage of it and the the breakdown of the numbers was amazing. So, the contract is. 700 million right 10 years 700 million average aav average annual value of 70 million a year however this was otani's idea to defer 680 of that 700 million until after the contract itself actually expires jermaine how does that work how is that even legal let me tell you smart man what happens is is the aav actually goes from 70 to 46 
for tax purposes, salary cap purposes and whatnot, so they can keep playing other players around it. The actual um, salary portion in cash that he's getting is only going to be $2 million a year over every year for those 10 years. Those other $68 million a year payments trigger after that contract is over. So in year 2034 through 2043, he's going to get a lump sum every July 1st of $68 million. Which is similar to the uh, the Bobby Bonilla. We love Bobby Bo. We love Bobby Day. Wait, <laughs> it is not. It it's similar in that it's a deferred payment. However, Bobby's had interest. This does oh not. yeah, oh yeah. Bobby's no there. interest. Bobby actually was making more than yes. what the contract actually said. Yes, which I think what last year was his last payment, right? Uh, I want to say it's twenty twenty five. I think it's okay. 20, 2025 is the last one. So he still I'm got not mistaken. Two yeah. Still got hey, two more. Bob, let me tell you something. Bobby was smart as hell. <laughs> Between... And even Shohei. Even Shohei. I love that verbiage of that because, one, that shows – it gives me that Tim Duncan mindset. Tim Duncan did that quietly for years, and nobody talked about it. People – me as a Laker fan, I, I knew about it and always wanted Kobe to do that because – those years where we sucked, we couldn't sign anybody. But here's the thing. There's a lot more players so that do tough. stuff like that. Tom Brady it, is the most famous. Yep, he did it. Brady's uh, the most famous for it. But even further, I love th- people thinking that this is against the rules and whatnot. Uh, Jeff Passan, who I don't really care for and I'm starting to come around on, uh, for ESPN, he's their lead baseball guy. Uh Article 16 in the CBA talks about deferred compensation and it states there shall be no limitations on either the amount of deferred compensation or the percentage of total compensation attributable to deferred compensation for which a uniform player's contract may provide. In plain English, it's a, they can defer as much money as they want to and we can't do shit about it because it's in the rules. So for all the people saying that's illegal, they shouldn't be able to do that. And blah, blah, but blah, Shohei blah, blah. was the one who kind of came to them, right? It was him. He, that was it like, was his idea to do it this way. And I love it because now it's like, all right, yeah, I might, I may have quote unquote signed mm-hmm. for seven hundred million, but let me defer X amount of this to the end. Exactly. And he's, uh, I don't. I'm trying to say this without sounding crazy, but a lot of foreign baseball players whether they are of Asian or some Spanish, they already have learned how to live off of smaller means where they don't need a lot. It's not. It is. It could be that, but also as much money as Shohei's making in endorsements and whatnot. That too. It's, that, it's not like he he's going to miss very he much. Got the EA, he got the EA Sports endorsement. And that's the other side of it that probably has allowed him to do that. When your endorsement money is of X mm-hmm. amount, mm-hmm. you're going to mm-hmm. make enough to where you're good as far as where you live, who you have to take care of. Because every every player has people. The two you know, of the more famous examples of uh, recent memory that I remember, uh, Gronk and Marshawn Lynch. Uh, yep. Gronk 
said he never touched his NFL money. He lived totally off his endorsement money. Uh, Marshawn Lynch was famous for, you know, making sure the young brothers take care of their bread, take care of their chicken, you know, and make sure their mentals is right. Ocho and Marshawn, yeah, I'm, oh, oh, big time. Big Ocho time. Also. Ocho talks Even about now. how frugal he is. Yeah, Even still, now. to this day. Gets, to this bro, day. And I know you watch uh, him and Unk, bro. Him and, it'd be so funny because he be getting <laughs> on Unk. He gets on Unk Shannon like, what was it like the other night where he was so he was like, he said, why do you, why do you need season court size season tickets at the right game. yeah why do yeah. you gotta he said why do you have to fly private and da 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 and I understand why because I mean you pay for luxury I have right. played X amount and made X amount and I have did this and this in my you know career after football to where I can do these things but I get what Ocho's saying too I am no different than the people. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I have no. I can sit. I can sit in, first, in in business class or first class or or a regular seat with you people. Let me talk to y'all. Let's let's talk. Let's talk on this flight. I do it. I ain't gonna lie. I'm kind of like Ocho though. I and when I know, when I wrote, I may have a security guard with me. Not gonna lie. <laughs> but when I wrote this article that that dropped today, I was trying to relate it to how the Astros need to follow suit. And make sure that they, you know, bring back some of their upcoming pending free agents that they need to keep. Yankees. Mainly Kyle Tucker. But this isn't the first time the Dodgers have done this. The Dodgers also did it with uh, recent free agency signings, uh, Mookie Betts, as well as Freddie Freeman's contract. Mm. Uh, Between 2033 and 2044, uh, the bulk of this is Shohei's, but part of this comes from Betts and Freeman, but they'll owe those three players a total of $857 million. Now, let me ask you this. Because every year in every sport, you know, the the salary cap goes up and Mm -hmm. all of that, does that hurt you in the long run? Or you're already in hopes that the salary cap is so high that it doesn't even matter? You know, in baseball, the way that looking that far ahead, of course. In baseball, the way the economics work, it's not going to hurt him. It's only going to help him because if you think about it, 10 years from now, having to pay out all those balloon payments to those guys, they're going to be making so much more money then gotcha. that the impact of it won't be felt as much then. Um, also, um, the way the the economics work in baseball, there's only a handful of teams, literally a handful of teams that can afford to do this. Dodgers, of course, mm-hmm. uh, maybe the Angels, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and I want to say maybe. And it's so crazy. We can afford to do it, but I doubt they do it. No, they wouldn't. But I mean, there's only because Aaron so Judge many teams has the that biggest... can actually afford to do something like this. And even uh, them, I like the move that they just did with um, bringing in uh from uh what from the Padres um oh Juan Soto yeah I love that that was a beautiful trade yeah and a he's, rare he's, he rare actually, trade that you don't get to see too often you know uh, in baseball right and it's already happened twice with Soto not once but twice. Mm-hmm. The Nationals traded him to the Padres. Now the Padres traded him to the Yankees. I think I the the and, Padres are starting to have some some money issues because if you remember, they they gave Manny Machado that big three hundred million dollars something deal. 
Give us him and Titus. They backed door and uh, signed Fernando Tatis to a huge extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought in the uh, He's one of my favorite players right now too. That's not uh, Blake Snell and uh, uh, you Darvish. So yep, they've they been spending money, you know, and, and 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 now it's like, well, shit. Let's see what we can do with Juan Soto, and they couldn't do anything with him. So they're like, damn, do we really want to pay him another guy, another big three hundred and something million dollar contract? Yep. You know what do we do? Who do we keep? <laughs> Thank you. <know>? you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and the Yankees can't wait to see so, him in pinstripes next year. I'm just gonna so. say it like this: I don't think that this is going away in Major League Baseball anytime soon. I love it because, like you said, if you have those big name players that can that can uh, well live the, off of the endorsement money without having to worry about the mm-hmm. contracts out of their actual and, and that that's totally MLB contract in this day and age. Yeah, yeah, that's totally doable in this day and age. Because there's so many different avenues for these guys to get this money. But the reason why I think it's not really going away is because, again, there's only a few teams that can actually do this. Uh, number two is going to have to be brought up in a collective bargaining agreement, which I don't think that they're going to have another labor negotiation for several years. So it's going to be at least several more years before they can even address this and, and, and make then, any amendments to it. It's smart for the – the only time it can hurt the player is if something happens to where they're not getting the endorsements and it's like, dang, I did this and I wasn't thinking of what could happen or something like that. Like, you know, in the sense of saying protecting the player, but – if it's a big name player and they're a like they have the like a Shohei who's getting EA Sports money from being on the cover of a uh, of MLB the Show, um, or just different uh, different endorsements over in Japan because mm-hmm. he's also a he's a big player here. He's even bigger over there. He's not just getting money from here. He's getting money which, overseas, which is think another reason why I think he stayed in LA. That too, and even with the span and the shorter travel going home, mm-hmm. stuff like mm-hmm. that. But also, um, a lot of the Spanish players, same thing. Like they're they have endorsements at home too. May not be as much as in America, of course, but it's enough to where they may be able to just take that money from Mexico or Dominican Republic or Cuba, Puerto Rico, wherever they're from. They That's their that family money down there. True, but that could be they their family trust, money to take care of their family down there. Bulk. Of their money here well that part i do know they make but those the those smaller money. endorsements there is like okay cool let me let me let the family down there keep all that to make sure they're good because they also take care of a lot of people back at home also so i mean i, mean, I like it i like it, it i love it's, it it's I it's here to stay it. it's here to stay it ain't going nowhere i need and aaron judge to, to look at this and be like hey it's man, one of those things where we just gotta we just got to kind of, you know, deal with it. There's not going to be that many players that are going to qualify for a contract, you know, the, these these large whopping deals, number one. Number two, there aren't going to be that many guys that's going to say, hey, you know what, stretch my money out over the course of 20 years instead of the course of the life of the contract. So it is what it is. It's here to stay. It ain't going nowhere. And it's, it's just going to be exciting to watch how – 
every year one of these teams goes out and literally tries to buy a world championship and they do not succeed. Happen every every year. Single <laughs> year. Every year, every sport. Basketball, it, it happens. Moving Phoenix, Phoenix recently just, you know, yep. doing the same. They tried it, but moving from heartbreak to heartwarming. Very. Uh, it was cool to see uh, LeBron James Jr., a.k.a. Bronny, make his college basketball debut. It was. Uh, it this was, past was. weekend. It was real dope to see that he overcame the cardiac arrest and everything from this summer. Uh, not only survived that potential life-threatening scare, but he got cleared to get back on the court for practice and now got cleared to actually play in the game. Came in, had a chase down block, and his first uh, points was a three-pointer on the break on the wing. On a pull-up. Ooh, Catch and shoot, just I mean, in rhythm. Uh, tossed it to him. He didn't. He, he just caught it, squared up, rose up, shot it, released, followed through, just textbook. And um, I like the way the team looked with him compared to, and we talked about this last mm-hmm. week, how were they going to look? Yep. Because I didn't really like the chemistry that they had going in like the the previous games mm-hmm. where they've looked good they've looked bad they've had their up and downs but i love the right. way they look, uh with him in the lineup no so. they looked they looked pretty good they they dipped to l they took the l i believe it was uh 8479 yeah, uh, yeah but he also i mean there it's teams like that when it comes to NCAA basketball, where I wish these guys would stay in school a little bit longer, Man. because if you look at that group of guys that UFC has, especially, you know, with those freshmen there, if they, they stayed there, not just this year, but they stayed, if they came back next year. Oh my God. Sophomore, sophomore, junior year together. Oh my God, bro. We talking about, I, I mean, I, I just, I wish that I could see that because Every year we see it with other teams, like you're seeing it with Purdue when when Edie decided to come back. Uh, you typically see it with teams like Wisconsin, Indiana, some of the uh, Michigan State schools, uh, Big Ten schools like that. Uh, you'll see it with Gonzaga all the time. That's how Mark Few built up his program was he would get these two, three, and sometimes every now and then a four-star guy that would stay two, three, and four years. And I think and a lot of coaches you like build that, a program like that. They don't want the one and duns. They really don't. Calipari no. has made a wonderful career of one and duns. I love I love Coach Cal, first off. Um, he's made a amazing career at, at on the, the back end of uh since he's been at Kentucky at least, um mm-hmm. of one and done players. He started you know? it actually at Memphis. And transferred yeah. it to Kentucky, but then uh-huh. also you got to look at it too. Coaches like uh, Coach K, uh, who was a traditionalist, Adapted to it. Ad- exactly. You Adapted saw a lot of it. the old school coaches adapt to it. Uh, Jim his Bayon. first one was a uh, his first one and done. It was was it oh, Kyrie? Oh gosh, Kyrie, Kyrie was the first one. I no, I, well, say- I ain't gonna say first one, but the first big one. The very Kyrie. first one that honestly I remember was Corey Maggette. Was Corey a one and done? Corey Maggette was a one and done. Yeah, one and done. Okay. Um, this, but this was before it. 
I want to say that's when you can still thing. go from high school to the NBA. I want to. It was yeah. something like that. But anyway, he was like the very first one I remember Duke having, because everybody that went to Duke went for at least two years, and then they would leave. At least two to three. It was between two, three, four. You never right. Once Kyrie did that, his one and done. You started seeing it more. Then you had um, uh, Doc Rivers. When they son. put the when they put the rule in, and they started making guys go, and it became that one and done era. Coach yeah. K was kind of slow to adapt at first, but he quickly got a hold of because you also had uh, in that time Brandon you Jennings had, was Brandon Jennings was actually the first one that was like. He was the first I'm not one to gonna waste y'all time. Exactly. I'm gonna go not even going. Yep. He said, "I know I'm not gonna. I'm not yep. gonna go to class." I remember what he said. I'm yep. not going to class. I really don't care to be here. I'm coming here because I have to come here. Because yep. if it weren't for that, I'd rather just go straight to the league. He went over to Italy, did his thing, then and got drafted. And I think that was better for him, to be honest. It was, and and to it me, made him a better guard. I also think that it gave some guys a false sense of I can do this too because we've since seen guys do it and and not be nowhere nearly as successful. It doesn't Um, work for everybody to go there. Some guards, like for Brandon Jennings, I think he needed that overseas as far as that – learning learning the guard, like the way they play as guards overseas Mm -hmm. in Europe. He needed that aspect of it to see the floor better. You learn uh, the fundamentals, passing. the pick and roll game, the outside exactly. shooting in mid. Because Brandon games Jennings was just—he was a street. He—he he was more of a wild player, but he was a dog on offense. And and the thing I is, is like high he, school at uh, he at used to—he used to use his speed and quickness and athleticism and just his God-given talent and just out talent and out quick everybody. Derrick Rose, but when high you. School, yeah, but when you get to the upper levels of basketball, everybody was that dude in high school uh-huh. or in college. So now it's like you got a bunch of dudes. Now you playing against everybody else that's, that was just like you when they were on that level. Uh-huh. And now they're professionals and they got grown man strength and, and they've grown into their game and everything else. And now it's it's infinitely more times tougher. However... What we're starting to see now more than ever, especially in basketball, is that a lot of these guys are coming in one and done and whatnot, and they're more physically mature than yep. the KGs and the Kobe's and, and guys like that were when they were first coming into like the league this as big. freshmen and whatnot. Right. The Tracy um, McGrady's that came in super right, small. Right, right, right. Undersized for their positions. Exactly. You're seeing guys like that, and you're like, ah. You know, every once in a you know blue moon, you would see a Dwight Howard, and you'd be like, "Oh my God, look at this guy! Look at Zion! Zion came in right over overweight slightly, but still very large for his size. More of a Zach Zion was off. built like a a, 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 a Zach Randolph, a three four defensive end, basically. Yeah, you know, six six two eighty five. Like this Solid. guy was built like he he, could he bounce. If Calais Campbell kept playing basketball instead of playing football, he would be Zion Williamson, probably. Yep. But that that's what we're looking at. Um, but you know, just seeing 
going back to our original point, seeing Bronny James come in and play and whatnot, it, it it was just it was very good. It was it was it emotional for LeBron as he put out that post saying that that that's all he was looking forward to this weekend outside of the the, the playoff game was you know amazing, the uh, amazing weekend for their entire family to be honest. And then also, I'm so uh, happy. For right, it goes the stupid thing again, man. I, I forgot about that. Uh, but your <laughs> other note for us to touch on was uh, Mikey Williams, a basketball prospect I, who's I agree his with last year of high school. He's definitely Sean Kemp and, and Charles. Charles. Yes, that's exactly what yes. I yes, yes. Sean you, Kemp, but I like the charts. The 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 toughness of Charles Barkley, the way Barkley was he's undersized he's, for a power forward, uh-huh. but too big for a small forward and he couldn't shoot. But I but, get where Sloan is coming from because basically uh-huh. he has Charles Barkley's body with Sean Kemp's athleticism. Exactly. exactly. That's what it is. That when you when you mess up. those two players together, that's what you it. get. You got Zion in this body, but he's he's Charles's body, but Sean's athleticism, and that's what we he, got. He's got bounce, crazy bounce. And I mean, since we're talking about basketball, let's go ahead and get into the NBA right now. The the in season tournament just concluded. It ended up with the Lakers beating the Pacers. Um, shocked the fuck out of me, <laughs> bro. Like, <laughs> and I'm a Lakers fan. Shocked the fuck out of me. It was crazy because those two teams were the only two teams that went undefeated throughout the whole tournament. And when you look back at the tournament and everything, those two teams played – everybody pretty much played hard. Nobody jaked it. Nobody like – The tournament was better than what we all expected. Um, Also, Mm -hmm. it was – we didn't know what to expect because we'd never seen it before in the NBA. Thank you. But every game was competitive. And I like the way they the only I, I do like how they incorporated it into the 82 game schedule. Yeah. So it's not any extra games. You're still playing the same amount of games. It's just I right, we're gonna take these games and make them tournament games. Um I like it going forward. Like I said, you we've talked about it. I'm a soccer fan. Um and I love the way soccer has done it. Soccer also plays way more games. Uh, well, no, actually, they don't. They don't. They don't play 82. They play less than 82. But it ends up being a, a pretty strenuous schedule because those tournament games don't count with the league games. So you're right. they're playing totally separate games. But I like how the NBA did it and incorporated it into the 82. So you're not playing additional games. And it's just like soccer where whoever wins that in-season tournament, it's not a guarantee they're going to even go win the NBA uh, mm-hmm. championship. You're going to have – you're there's going to be some years you may get the same champion because I'm hoping they're keeping this going forward. Um, but then there's some years where just like this year, I don't see us winning an NBA championship unless we do some crazy trades. But it's, it's, it's a win, thing where – But somebody else is going to win. They're keeping it moving forward. And the talk has already started. Should winning the in season tournament guarantee you a playoff spot, so on and so forth? So it's going to be here to stay moving forward. It's just going to be, you know, does the prize money go up? Uh, yeah. Does it guarantee you a playoff spot? Certain other implications. Uh, Dre's talking about the refs. Bro, the refs have been bad in, in all sports, every sport. <laughs> 
it ain't just and basketball. At man. every level. Football and has been horrendous for years. It's been horrible everywhere. Like I saw a call the other night against the Rockets, I believe it was. The guy was clearly inbounds and saved the ball. And they called it out of bounds. And I don't even think they reviewed it. Yes, Dre, even at the high school level, because Facts. I, I saw I've I've been to two two high school football games this season in person, and I've watched another two on TV. Horrible. Horrible. I even got a buddy of mine, uh, a couple of buddies of mine. One is a basketball ref. It does more college games. And another one uh, is a football ref. I think he does more high school stuff. But they even complain about the officiating. But getting back to the NBA and whatnot, and, and it's it, it's going to – the in-season tournament is not going anywhere. I think they're just going to make some changes and checks and different things like that um, to it. And I love that they made sure that LeBron talked about the guys on the back end of the roster who had 500,000 is going to mean a lot more to Uh I love that they brought that up because to me, like I was telling somebody in a Facebook group page I was in, I'm like, oh, that's nothing. They don't have to increase this. And I'm like, please learn what you're talking about before you start talking. The league minimum is 1.1 million. Most of the guys on a 15-man roster are making that 1.1 million. There's only a handful of guys on every roster that's making more than five to ten million a year. That half a million that they win for winning that in-season tournament represents almost half of some of these guys' salary. That's a lot of fucking money to a lot of players in this league. So don't tell me that 500. It ain't nothing to the guys who make that, you know, damn near on a per game basis. That, yes, it's nothing to them because they're making, you know, 30, 40, 50 million dollars a year. So that LeBron, AD, you know, Rui, the starters, you know, D load and all them, that 500K cool, but that ain't, you know, that's a, a, a small percentage of what they make. Right. But like you said, those guys at the end of the bench that aren't playing, aren't getting right. The game, that 500K the- is, is, is a lot for them. They never... one of the one of the cool uh, quotes or whatever that I heard about it. Um, it was Miles Turner, uh, Pacers big man uh, from University of Texas. Uh, they asked him uh, something like, "What would you do with the money, or how do you plan on spending it, whatever, whatever?" He was like, "You know, I'm from Texas, man. You know, I want to take care of my family, so I'm gonna probably use it and invest and buy me some land or something." And he ain't lying because I promise you, out here in Texas. If he took that whole five hundred thousand, not knowing that he can't take the whole five because taxes and all that, but if he just took a half a mil and said, "I'm gonna buy some land," he's buying acres and acres and acres of land, depending on where you buy that prime land, farmland out here in Texas. So, and that's something that can't nobody take away from you as long as you're paying the taxes on it. It's yours. So it's just. You know, and this is a guy who's one of the Pacers' top three highest-paid players. And he's even talking about, I'm going to go and invest it in something, you know, that's going to be more meaningful for me down the line. But um, 
I, I just love the way the guys took it serious. Uh, I'm Very. glad the fact that LeBron was the first one to win it because that kind of adds a little something to it. Because you know he's going to want to put that as something in his legacy, like I won the first in-season tournament. You know, it's cool, but I mean, bro, really? As a Laker fan, I'm glad we won it, right? But I mean, it's like like um, you and Ahum were talking about. It's like a team bragging about winning the Caribou Cup. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, whoop de doo you won a Caribou Cup. But you, you got all regulated. Right. You can't get a Premier League win to save your life. You can't get a Champions but you League win. Right, you about to be in EF, EFL too, but you happy that you just got a caribou cup? It's crazy. Like, but at the same time, we're not about. You know, I I think it gives the young guys mm-hmm. from an NBA standpoint, and it should be the same for soccer, but it always isn't. But for the NBA, at least, it gives those young guys, especially the ones that actually play, not the ones at the end of the bench that barely. Mm-hmm. But the one, even the starters, even some of those young starters, it should give you confidence. I want to see how it turns out tonight. Playing, uh, I think they got Dallas tonight. Um, I, I now they, want to see how they end up losing that game. Um, because the, the, the Suns and Warriors at halftime right now, but it I mean, was it was real close. It was real. Close. I want to say it was like 129, 127, or something was the final score. Uh, I was sitting here watching 125, the 125-127. The 125-127, my bad, yeah. It was, I mean... That's still a high-scoring game. It's a loss, but well, I would here, rather us win. When I sat but, down here at the table and got set up and everything, they were, it was 71-61 at the half, right? Um, First off, LeBron comes down on defense and just lets Grant Williams shoot a three in his face and it's 74-61 within the first 15 seconds. And I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, Dallas about to keep running them up. The Lakers fought back and ended up taking over in that third quarter and had a lead going into the fourth. I think it was 95 94 because AD hit a three at the buzzer, I want to say, at the end of the third. And then Dallas just barely edged them out in that fourth quarter. Uh, so it was a really close <laughs> game, it was a tight game. I'm looking uh, at the stat lines, and Kyrie wasn't playing tonight either, he, he's still out. I can tell Dante Exum had 26 points. Tim Hardaway Jr. had like 30. 32. Yeah. Luca had 33. Grant yeah. Williams had 19. And then everybody yep. else, it was that, barely bro, anything that mattered. They had, the Mavericks had everybody hitting on all cylinders. Uh, Hardaway was hitting step backs and pull up threes. Luca, the step backs and the little hezzies were the, working. I'm going to catch the replay tonight. Uh, it was it was a good it, game. It was a it, real I can tell good game. when even the two point loss. I'm not. I mean, I would rather win. But uh, Austin Reeves had 22. Torian Prince had 15. Uh, Anthony Davis 37 and LeBron 33 and everybody else. Uh, nothing that mattered. D'Angelo Russell yeah. seven. Rui seven. That's this the Warriors issue with the Suns Lakers. game right now. That's on TV is uh, Warriors up three 56 53 at halftime surprising a little bit because of how the Warriors have played. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually, sh- I'm, I'm a little shocked this season, but I think everybody's figured the Warriors out. I don't think well, it's the War- I, and the Warriors also haven't figured the Warriors out also with what they have now. In exactly. The but I think also on the other side of things, team, I ain't going to say teams have figured them out. Teams have caught up to them. 
They have been the, so far ahead of everybody yes, for so long yes. that now other teams like and it happens. It's supposed to happen in sports. Um, other teams have finally caught up. Phoenix is, you know, they brought in the right people. The Clippers mm-hmm. a little bit, but the Kings, a young team at 13 mm-hmm. and 8, but they're a young team that has been together for a long time. They've made the right trades, brought in the right people. Yeah. Have the it's, correct system. It's crazy that you bring up that Kings team because right now they're down by 17 to the Clippers, 52-35, midway through I'm the second I'm also not quarter. shocked because that veteran Clippers team has some some stars that should be playing. <laughs> they have a big four. They right. literally have a big four. I don't exactly. know how they did it in the by game. By they, name. Yes, by name. By name, they have a big four that should mm-hmm. be. If you, on paper... If you want to be completely honest, on paper, Clippers should be the best team in the league, or at least second behind Phoenix. I I think Clippers and Phoenix and Lakers, uh, Denver, uh, Boston. I was getting ready to say, Philly. Man, I would be. It took I'm not me a putting while them in to order. To themselves. No, no, no. I was going west to east. Um, oh, okay, well, okay. I was about to yeah, say because I'm like I won't. I won't put them on in any order. Um, <laughs> I, I also would put the Mavs up there, just guard to play alone, having Luka mm-hmm. and Kyrie together. Yeah. Um, on paper, a lot of these teams should be way better than what they are. Uh, Philly at 15 and 7 makes sense. Um, the Heat at 13 and 10 to me don't. The Magic, surprisingly, are at 16 and 7. Bruh, and I say that's surprisingly, been my surprise for the whole you, season. If you look at that team, though, a player, the one thing I like about, um, and it's not Orlando, it's just like sports in general. When you're looking at like the NFL, when you're looking at the NBA, um, specifically those two sports more than anything is the way they draft. Horrible mm-hmm. teams get great players coming out of the co- out of college, and the better teams don't. They end up you know, getting better in free agency, or they'll get lucky mm-hmm. and in the draft in that fifth to seven build the guy up in their system or yeah, something. Yeah. But Orlando who's drafted, who's had low draft picks for you know X amount of years. Eventually you're going to put the right players together that you've drafted. Yep. They're going to be young. They're going to play together and it's going to turn that franchise around. Orlando is now saying that solely with Paolo Bancaro. Love I mean, him. You got uh Jalen Suggs there too. Um, oh, yep. Uh, 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 Greg Anthony's son. Yep, Cole yep. Anthony. Cole Anthony from uh UNC. Yep. And even I the Pacers. Even the Pacers. Pacers at thirteen and eight. Same thing. Uh, a bunch of young guys for so long, and now they're starting to mesh and gel together, where they have continuity together. Um, Wendell Carter, uh, Markel Fultz. I, I knew it was somebody ooh, else that was there. He um, has the best. Fultz, Fultz has one of the best turnaround, other than what Dante Exum is doing right now, too. Yes. Um, yes. But Fultz, because he's been in the league the whole time, Exum is just coming back yeah. uh, into the league. But even for Markel Fultz, from where he's, from what everybody thought he was going to be, being in Philly, to him having the injuries, to him leaving Philly, coming to Orlando, Orlando figuring out what was wrong, getting got him the yips right. with his shooting and everything. Got and him just, right. And look yeah. at him now. Total career turnaround. Total and bro, career turnaround. Underrated too. <clears throat> them damn the Wagner Knicks, brothers. The Knicks are 13 and 9. 
Bro, the Knicks, the Knicks have the been Knicks one of the good. most confusing teams because for like the last three years. Th- this is the thing with the Knicks this year, and, and I know. Uh, shout out to uh, the guys over at the uh, Backstage Brawl podcast and uh, uh, Jay Rich, uh, who does uh, Turnbuckle Talk on Spaces with Mimi and them, and, and uh, uh, those wrestling girls. They're, those are Knicks fans that I talk to every so often, and like I tell, I'm like. That team will either come out and beat you 118 to 110, or they'll lose to you 112 to 93. Yep. There is no in-between with the Knicks this year. They're either really good or they're gonna piss you off and play really bad. Like, I just you... don't see any consistency with them. Nah, it never has been though. If you really look at the last three years. Um, outside of that year where they made what was it last season? They made that uh no season before last. Mm-hmm. Um, where them in Atlanta was going at it like crazy. Uh, oh yeah, and Trey Young was doing the whole yeah that season ice was, trade uh, celebration. Yeah, that, that was season what, two years ago season, now. That season and last season for them were the heights of what they've had in a while. And this season too, again, record is great as of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Minnesota. Stands out to me at 17 and 5. Uh solely because again, let's talk about keys being right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they figured it out with the big men, where I was told, not gonna name names if he listens to this podcast. Uh <laughs> uh, I was told that those two big men, one of them gotta go. It don't make sense, you know. And I'm like, see, this is why I don't talk sports with everybody because everybody just Bruh, has let me cooler, tell you something cooler talk. And that's it. Let me tell you something. This is why I went on that rant. This is why I went on that rant a couple weeks ago. And I want to say just the other day, I think I was telling Dre, don't respond to that account or whatever, because it's a troll account. And every so often I'll see one of y'all, like somebody got, Hey bro, don't respond to that. They, they not worth your time because they're trying to get a reaction and an interaction out of you. Don't, no, don't let them get you. Even though the Pelicans watched them yesterday. It's because a lot of these people, they just spit out and regurgitate some stupid shit that they hear on Twitter, Facebook, Internet, some radio show, pocket, whatever the hell, right? They don't really be knowing exactly what they're talking about. So it's like, if you know basketball and you really watch basketball, know the game and whatnot, you'll know Carl Anthony Towns has tried to turn himself into the best shooting big man ever. And he literally calls himself the best shooting big man ever. Yeah. When you get a guy like a Rudy Gobert who is no good if he's more than six to eight feet from the basket and you have another big who calls himself the best shooting big man ever, I think – I could probably go out there and coach that team and figure out a way how to use both of those two guys on the floor. Rudy in the post. Stretch out uh Carl Anthony. On the perimeter. If you I'm got, running uh if you I'm still running, got Mike Conley running point. Thank you. If I'm running pick and roll or pick and pop, I can do that with Cat. I can't do that with Rudy. So if I'm running something with Rudy, either they're gonna already know it's pick and roll. Because Rudy's not going to pick and pop. However, if Rudy does decide to pick and pop, he's going to become a high post playmaker with the ball in his hands, 
I don't really trust Rudy in that position, but if it's another action and it's just like Rudy turn here and throw the ball here or turn here and throw the ball here, I trust him to make the right pass in that situation. I'm not even going to get too deep in the weeds in it, but anybody that knows basketball knows that there was an easy way for you to use those two guys and take at best advantage of their two skill sets. Like, what? I do, bro, let me tell you something. My whole, like, I, we all play video games. When I'm playing 2K and I'm playing, like, franchise mode or whatever, and I'm building my, you know, whatever team I got, I refuse to have a power four under 6'10". I preferably would rather have a 6'11", 7-foot power forward to go with my 7-foot center because I refuse to have a 6'10", or 6'11", center personally. I, I'd rather, I'm traditional when it comes to centers. I want my seven one seven two center, and I would personally rather have a six eleven to seven foot power forward to go with that because I loved what San Antonio did for years, having twin towers that were dominant in that post. That's what got them to win because they had twin towers. You had two menacing big men. You had a finesse one that could step away in Tim mm-hmm. Duncan, and you had the big man in the middle, David Robinson, that was blocking that was rebounding, that was getting the cleanup. You know what I mean? So they they, I, they had a good the run. the same thing that Minnesota has right now, if you they want had a, to be honest. Yeah, they had a good run. But the way the game is played today, in order to make that work, you have to have a stretch four. Carl Anthony Towns is clearly a stretch four. Clearly. 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 Like, I, so when people say stupid stuff like that, that's, that's they people have the guard. like, I make note of, and I'm just like, yeah, I I can't really talk. And then you got to think about it, too. The real star on that team is Anthony Edwards. If if I'm going to look at one guy on that team and say this is the guy, it's going to be Anthony Edwards. If I'm going to give a guy a final shot or whatever, it's going to be Anthony Edwards. For sure. He didn't even play yesterday. When I I look at – that was what they were missing, losing by twenty mm-hmm. some points or almost twenty points like that. Was when his, I look uh, at when I look at that team and the way they're constructed, he's a slasher, a guy who likes to get to the goal, but he's learning to play on the outside more, and he's improving on his outside shot. It still works because if he drives and drops it off to Rudy, or if he kicks it out to Cat, those two big men still work in that situation. Mm-hmm. Because if he dries and that big man collapses on him, okay, now I'm gonna dump it off the root. Even if I do take the shot and your big man collapses and, and pulls over later, now I'm getting fouled. I'm going to the foul line, and your big man's in foul trouble now. And again, you still have the vet Mike Conley. You got Nikhil uh, Alexander Walker. Yeah. Uh, you got Brown. You got Anderson, Milton Reed. That team is at, at the top of the Western some, Conference right now. They have some young dogs on that team, and I like them. I like it going forward. I like it for the future. Um, the money is always going to end up being a problem because you still have Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy, and uh, Kyle Anderson is going to end up coming up for a big contract soon. Um, but here's, so, here's the thing. Just looking at the the way the league is right now, Playoffs started now. Western Conference playing teams would be Rockets, Clippers, Suns, and Pelicans. Uh, in the East, 
uh, playing teams right now would be the Heat, the Nets, the Cavs, and the Hawks. Uh, I don't see the bottom of those conferences changing too much. I think the teams at the top, you know, with the Celtics, surprisingly the Magic, the Bucks, Sixers. I think most of them are pretty much. The Pacers and the Knicks. Uh, Then you got the top six in the West. You got the T-Wolves. Small surprise in the Thunder. Again, another team who's had a ton of draft picks, drafted well. Now they're all growing. And they still Um, have a lot of draft picks. Exactly. (laughs) That's the scary part about them. The Mavs, you know, they're expected to be there. The Nuggets, the Kings have proven themselves, and then the Lakers. So you got a mix in both conferences, you know, from one through ten of teams that I expected to see this team here. And then there's also, I did I expected to see this team, but not where they're at. So, um, the Bulls have been uh, not, nothing in like the major media, but you know, still lots of talk that they're pretty much about to blow the team up. Um, yep, in a sense, uh, Zach Levine is pretty much the one name. Caruso. Um, I think that was mostly just with the Laker talk. Um, as far there as was even was. there was even some um, I DeRozan I heard some a little chat. bit, yeah, about DeRozan, yeah. But I don't think they. I think DeRozan is the one person they don't, unless there is a a really good trade. Because again, there's there, and when I say really good trade, it's more draft picks and assets. But mm-hmm. for them to trade DeRozan, also, I think for the most part, DeRozan stays. But I think Zach Levine's on his way out. Um, we don't know how that Lonzo Ball contract and what's going to happen with him in the long run. Um, I, I I pray that he's not done. That young man is has so much talent. Oh boy! So wait a um, minute. A little bit of breaking news. Um, Pro Football Talk is now reporting Patriots owner Robert Kraft reportedly decided to move on from Coach Bill Belichick after Week Ten loss to the Colts in Germany. Could a late season hot streak spark a reversal? So I'm going to go with it and say, yes, it is something that is supposedly definitely going to happen. If pro, I, And I'm just saying this because I know sometimes guys over at Pro Football Talk will get shit wrong. And I know people will blow up and say, ah, they don't always, you know, like Florio's this, this and that. I, he may not be someone that some of you like in the way he presents his, his content or what have you. However... If pro football talk is saying it, I'm more apt to believe it than the score and all these other little uh, smaller blogs and websites and whatnot. Not to say that those guys are going to get it wrong. It's just that if I'm going to see a report by somebody who's going to put their name on it, somebody high profile, I'd rather wait for that and know for sure than to just run with something that somebody's saying that they may have gotten from a second, third, fourth, fifth hand source. But Anyway. But I, I think they, they should have been moved on from him, though. I'm going to be honest. I feel like once Brady was gone, Bill should have, if at least for his legacy and respect to who he was, I know Bill didn't want to. Bill wanted to, you know, prove to everybody that he could win without Brady. And I love it. Of course. I respect it. I, I fully respect it. But I think it was one of those things where he should have. And if this is it with the Patriots, I feel like if it's not a front office job, Go and go and enjoy your retirement, man. You've had an amazing career. That ain't that ain't hoodie best, though. I think hoodie still wants to be around coach the ever. game and, and coach the and, game and 
But that's why I, I said, honestly, I, I can I, see him being a. I can see him moving into not the GM position for the uh, Patriots, but the president, kind of like what I Arians could, did with the Bucks. I can see him moving across the country to LA because there's a team in LA that can use a head coach next year. There's a team in Vegas that I mean, no, I ain't gonna say that because I think they like who they have. Hold on, who's I'm LA just team? saying, Chargers. They got like Justin it. Herbert. I don't like it. They got Bosa. I mean, I kind of like it. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Does he take the staff? They got Derwin James. He got an offensive coordinator that's uh, that's out there. He ain't got no job right now. I'm just saying. Get the band back together on the West Coast. I can see that. I, I, I'm i just, hey, I'm I, just throwing it out it. there. Just I throwing it out there. <laughs> I, think he's, I personally think he's done, but I can see that too. I can see that too. One other thing that we wanted to hit on before we close out the show, a couple of small things. Well, not small things to, to y'all, but we love this kind of stuff. Um, Jaden Daniels won the Heisman for LSU. Yeah. Do you have a problem with him winning the Heisman? Nah, he was a clear Heisman winner, man. Uh, I think everybody that was in that top five, three was, um, was great all season. Mm-hmm. Um, Jaden Daniels, I'm I'm learning more about him. I wasn't very uh, familiar with him. I sent it to you earlier, but uh, I watched his uh, Pivot podcast interview. Yeah, I gotta today. I gotta watch it. I got it was watch. good. I, I did not I get love, a chance to watch that today. I love what he talked about. I learned more about why he left uh, Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, Arizona State. Um, I, I learned a lot more about everything that went on. Uh, going into that, you know, with his grandparents passing uh, very close to each other, I believe it was like either weeks or months apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then him having a lot of mental health issues and stuff, and just feeling like he needed to start over. Um, the, the young man's had a great story. I can't wait to see what he does in the next, the you know, where he goes in the draft and uh, what he does on the next level. Um, him even saying he could have came out last year and him, him understanding that the quarterbacks that went one and two, he felt like he's a high draft pick and him staying another year and doing what he did with LSU and how it's elevated him into that one, two, uh, uh, draft pick. So, yeah. Cause the thing is like the year he had last year was pretty impressive. And I think that's when he really started saying people started seeing like, okay, that long lanky kid from Arizona State, he actually probably could play at the next level. Like that's when people started taking him serious as a prospect at the next level. And I think this year he just blew everything out of the water because Mm um, I remember uh, um, Coach Brian Kelly was saying that they actually had to change the rules about players coming to the facility because of Jaden Daniels, that he would be there so much um, that it was just one of those things that I, I just I, I, I was blown away by how much the kid liked to study and he wanted to improve. And then not only did you hear about all that, but then you saw all that hard work pay off for him. It's just sad that LSU couldn't find some sort of semblance of a defense to to do anything more. Um, speaking of college football, real quick to touch on one other small thing before we transition into a couple of other little small topics we have before we wrap it up. Uh, the transfer portal is on and popping. The transfer, players. bruh, 
I want to say the last exact number I saw was like 1184 or so. It was like 1180 something. I love that question, Dre. Uh, after you finish, I want to, I kind of like that. That's a good question. And I'm not dressing that shit no more. I'm I like so fucking sick of Florida. St- that that's I, my rant. Honestly, I'm saving it for my rant. I like that question. Though. I have words for the state. I'm not of saying Florida. he should have been. I ain't saying he should have. I have words for the state of Florida. I don't. But anyway, I, I, go ahead. I agree with him. Transfer portal is on and popping. Twelve hundred players in there, and. I saw somebody was kind of shocked earlier where it's becoming the NFL it, free agency. It's crazy. Yeah, it wasn't a recruit. I think it was a brand new recruit. Uh was picking between Georgia and Nebraska. And the predictor said that he's like a 48 or so percent chance to go to Nebraska while he's only like a 30 something percent chance to go to Georgia. And somebody was just like dumbfounded. Why would he pick Nebraska? It's the money, bro. It's and the I, money. Because Matt Rule even came out himself and said to get a quarterback right now in the NIL transfer portal, all this, it'll cost you about one, one and a half million. Crazy. Them people in the Midwest and Nebraska, that's all they have. They don't have nothing else anywhere around them to call their own. <clears throat> the biggest sports thing outside of the University of Nebraska football team uh, is the fact that they hold the College World Series in Omaha every year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Outside of that, what do they have to call their own? It's just Nebraska football, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So what do you think that whole state and all that alumni association and all those former football players and whatnot are going to do? They're going to rally around that team come up with the money to pay those players to make that Cornhurst football team look good again. As NIL, like now we're in, uh, are we in year two of this? Yeah, year year two. I think last year was kind of like first first real year. I, I think it's, it could year. be the third, it, second or third year. It's still really, really new. Very young, very young. But at this point, as we're seeing, and as much as we have said, like, these players should have been paid before some in some capacity, right? Going forward, looking forward into the future, is this hurting college football? No. Or is it making it better where a team like a Nebraska now has a chance at a number one recruit where before, like you just said, it was between Georgia and Nebraska. It would, that number, that percentage number would be higher that he's going to Georgia. Yeah. Or Nebraska and, probably wouldn't even be one of the teams that he's looking at, right? In the past, so what you're seeing is more. There parody, are chances where the rich will get richer, but then and there's the poor, also who Draymond just got class. ejected for a flagrant two foul, and he definitely deserved it. I almost spit my soda out. That's too normal. <laughs> it's too normal. Oh, well, bro, the thing it's is, like, normal. I kind of I saw the re- I didn't see the actual play because we were. You know, I kind of caught the replay. Uh, Nurkic, like, was, like, had him or grabbing him or something. And then uh, he's, like, messing with Draymond, grabbing Draymond's side, right? And Draymond is trying to fend him off with the right hand. And he just spun around and gave him, like, a, 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 a pimp slap 
as he turned around, but he tried to make it look like he's just waving his arms up in the air. But, bro, you clearly came. Your hand was by your side. You raised it and spun around and then hit him in the face. But anyway. Draymond, Draymond, Draymond. I think I think NIL has done some harm to some programs around the country, and I think it'll continue to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, there's still going to be the here and now where there's still going to be players who are going to want to go and play for certain teams because they have the facilities or they have the the coaches or the opportunities that that player can take and turn that into an NFL career, which is going to be a lot more lucrative long-term than an NIL deal in college. Uh, The one NIL thing I will still hit on right now is that uh, there was some reports out there that Ohio State has come up with a $20 million payment to entice Marvin Harrison Jr. to come back to school. I think he was coming back even without the NIL money. I'm going to be honest. But I don't Because when once I seen the reports of what he said of why he wanted to come back, I mean, the NIL is always going to play a part, but because he potentially can make so much money in the NFL as a high three He's a one through three draft pick, in my opinion, five at the most. But exactly beating Michigan, beating Michigan is the biggest after what they just after how they lost to Michigan, having a great season and the way they lost that Michigan reason alone. It it could it could drive you. Yes. But also that's why Travion, that's exactly why Travion is not going to the league where Travion also Mm -hmm. is a first round running back, in my opinion. He's not a second or third. I think he is a clear first round running back and he's coming back basically for that exact same reason is to beat Michigan. That right. rivalry, once you get to, and this, I guess I, I, I don't, I never played in a, I mean, I played in some high school rivalries that like that, but nothing to the point where it's like, I got the NFL in one hand and I could clearly go and be a top draft pick. Mm-hmm. And I got college in the other hand. But boy, I can't leave school saying that I didn't. I never beat Michigan. My my only thing before I we never were, I never beat Alabama. My only you know thing I mean? before I round it out is coming back is one thing, uh, especially with some of the crazy nil money that can rival that first year of your rookie contract. Mm-hmm. However, you're one year older. You have one more year of wear and tear on your body, and you're one more year removed from potentially getting to that second contract, which is your biggest paying contract, typically, of your career if you're an NFL player. You're adding one more year to that timeline. Unless you have, unless they tell me, hey, part of your NIL package is we're going to get you a $50 million Lloyds of London policy just in case you get hurt or anything, you know, potentially loses your income. Because if you evaluate it right now and they say you're a top guaranteed top five pick. Yeah, Marvin Harrison's easily five. If you three, come out there and you're drafted way. anything lower than that, that's loss of income. And that yep. could be attributed to why you came back to school. And now, hey, I just lost money for coming back. I need the policy to kick in. If you want to be honest, as great as Marvin Harrison is, we don't know who's going to be the quarterback for him to get these numbers next season. Exactly. Right now, you're a three to five with McCord 
and McCord won't all that, and you still are a three to five right now. Right. And the thing huh. is, you're not guaranteed to get, you know, um, you could stay the Washington State quarterback, uh, Cam Holloway or whatever his name is. You're yeah, not guaranteed yeah, yeah. to get that kid to come and play with you or anything like that. And McCord was, you know, ready to leave because he, he's going to have Penix, to fight for his job next year. Michael so, Penix isn't a senior. Is he a senior? Yeah, he's a senior. He ain't got no okay, more eligibility so left. Bo Nix is a senior. He ain't got no more eligibility left. Matter of fact, Dylan Gabriel, who left uh, Central Florida to go to Oklahoma, is now going to uh, uh, Oregon to, to for his mm-hmm. last year of eligibility to fill in for um, uh, uh, Bo, Bo Nix now. So okay. musical chairs that starting quarterback has already started in college football and everything else. It's so it's going to be interesting to interesting. see what these guys end up deciding. Uh, one other thing before we get to our rants they did want to touch on real quick was uh, the Devin Haney-Regis program fight. Huh. Devin Haney pretty much dominated the fight from beginning to end. It wasn't boring. It wasn't close. Um, it was now boring. the question is posed since he's taken on one of the guys that a lot of people tried to avoid at 140. Who does he fight next in that weight class? That's an interesting question. Um there was um i can't find the the article that we had sent we had talked about earlier but there was four different fighters uh one of them was tank davis i believe one of them was shakur stevenson and i can't remember the other two guys there were two more up and coming so i've heard of one but i didn't hear the other um and i'm i'm we're definitely going to get deeper into this uh potentially next week um a few things we have to I have to make sure everything lines up, but I think next week maybe uh, that boxing episode, um, just because there's some big fights, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. Yeah, um, and then we got to remember that heavyweight, the heavyweight card, I believe, is that twenty third. It's next week. Is the Friday or Saturday or whatever? Yeah, not this weekend coming up. Saturday, Christmas weekend. Yeah, Christmas weekend, Saturday. Yeah. Oh, but. Yeah. With Shakur, and I uh, and I definitely want to get my homeboy Kenny in here for that conversation because I wanted this same question you just asked. Mm-hmm. I want him and your your homeboy. We can get him on uh, to answer that same question. Yeah, we may. I, I, think, I think we need to put together that boxing episode just to have just a straight can, boxing episode and record it and then put it out. Yeah, we can get that done like at any at any point. Because I think that'll that may work out for everybody's schedules and stuff to get them both of them in there because. It's like that's a nuanced conversation with a lot of moving parts and stuff because because of the way honestly works. I don't think Haney showed I rewatched the fight today mm-hmm. actually because I didn't watch it um, originally when it was on mm-hmm. I Haney won he won clear mm-hmm. um, but as much as he was talking about Shakur's performance mm-hmm. I also don't think he did anything to wow. And it'd be something to talk about. I think him and Shakur still got to get in that ring. I think that's that's talk, a, that's the sentiment I get from Shakur. a lot of people who watch the fight. Like he yeah, won you down on Shakur, and you won. Yeah, Shakur won. But but did like he impress? He won, he no. But I think and you put them the two in the ring together. Now this is something that they both, in a sense, have wanted. This is a rivalry. This is a fight where they both have been talking shit. Let them two young men get in the ring and do what they do best. And I think Shakur wins. I right. honestly think, and I think Devin Haney knows it. I think he knows it. 
I and I know Kenny is gonna listen back to this because I know he, he has something to do tonight, so he's not listening, but he always mm-hmm. goes back and listens. He gonna get on my ass, but I don't he's a he he likes Haney. Devin Haney don't do enough to me, man. Like he he talks it. He talks it, but I, I just didn't see enough in that fight. Um yeah, I, 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 I think I, I, I do want to see him in tank though. I think I he think... got a there's a lot of fights in that in that weight class. Mm-hmm. What is that? That one thirty-five to one forty-five range. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Mm-hmm. And those couple um, of weight classes, yeah. Him and Teo, I want to see him in Pitbull. There's, there's Pit, going to be think some Pitbull can get with Haney. Like, there's going to be some nice. entertainment fights. The one, but I do want to see Haney in there with somebody with Gervonta Tank Davis's punching power, because hey, there's a lot Pitbull. of times. Teo Cruz where, has that same punching power. Right. There's a lot of times where a guy like Haney stands in there and will counterpunch with a guy because he's not really getting tagged. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, and I'll leave it at this before we get to our rants, can Haney stand in there and still counterpunch with a guy with that kind of knockout power? And I don't think he can because we I haven't seen him do either. it yet. And I don't I if I have not seen you prove that to me yet, I feel like you can't do it until you prove it. Because Tank got that power. Shakur, even though he didn't show it in the last fight, Shakur has that power. Teo Cruz mm-hmm. has that power. Um, Garcia has that power. Yep. Uh Garcia just showed that. Uh not Ryan Garcia. Was it Ryan Garcia this week? No, weekend? Ryan Garcia. And the thing is, Garcia, Stevenson, and Cruz, they have just natural punching power. Uh-huh. Shakur does not have that natural punching power, but his power comes from his accuracy. Yeah. And he's so pinpoint accurate. And just when you think like maybe his footwork or his body positioning is a little off, he'll hit you with a punch that you didn't and even him, see coming and it'd be pinpoint. I'm going to tell you what makes Shakur even more dangerous. And it helped Tank is working with Floyd. Mm-hmm. Tank benefited Definitely. from it. Shakur, even though that last fight was boring and, you know, it was a more defensive fight, Mm -hmm. it was a Floyd fight. And you can tell he had been working with Floyd in camp. Tank Davis, a lot of Tank's fights haven't been – he's caught him with, you know, a good good punch. But a lot of defensive – a good defensive fight that you can tell he had been working with Floyd. So – My favorite Tank fight that shows – his 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 typical fighting, his toughness and everything, and also that he's been working with Floyd Mayweather lately. I can't. It was like a couple of fights ago. Uh, he was fighting a, a tough Mexican fighter. Was it the Ryan and Garcia? No, it wasn't the Garcia. It was the fight before that. I can't remember the guy's name. He knocked him out uh, with a nasty uppercut. Hold on. I, I can't I remember his name for the life of me. But when you look at when you look at that that fight, he was getting tagged. He was Hector getting Garcia. Hector, Hector Garcia. Because it won't. Right. It wasn't the Roly one. The Roly one. He he <laughs> fuck Roly up. Um, but no, in that fight, he he too. had him against the ropes, but it was almost like Tank was the one that was backing up and clamming up and everything, and then he, he dodged the punch. He like slipped the punch and just came up smooth with that uppercut, dropped it. Yeah. And that that simple little slip of that punch and then following up with that quick uppercut, that's a Floyd Mayweather move to slip a punch and then come with a hook or an uppercut. Exactly. It's like a little uh and then 
Bam. Exactly. And and they're they're taught they that it's almost load. all in one motion. It's a slip boom, and you just coming up with it. So it's like just little stuff like that that I see in his in his game lets me know he's working with Floyd. And you see him picking up on stuff because if you watch earlier fights and then you watch fights afterwards, when a fighter is is training with a different training partner or a different uh, uh coach or what have you, you can see them pick up on stuff. My example in history, and I'll stop right here, is Mike Tyson post Custia Amato and Tony Atlas. You yep. didn't see as much head movement and defense from Mike. You just saw a lot of punches being thrown. A lot of power. And that's when he started getting beat up was because he wasn't dodging punches anymore. And that's how come Buster Douglas, besides all the other stuff around him, ended up beating him. No, but right. Right. it's time to get to the rants. And... I need to unload mine first because I just need to get this off my chest because Dre asked us that stupid-ass question that we already addressed last week, and I hate addressing shit more than once. Before that, also, I watched something today. Shout-out to uh, Alyssa Pilly from uh, uh, South mm, Utah. 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 I watched those highlights. Nice. Nice looking. Nice. So. Basically, nice. my rant this week is about, I, and this this fool cut me off to say something about a goddamn women's basketball player when I'm trying to get my rant off about fucking Florida State. The, the state of Florida has launched an investigation into the college football playoff for what, some stupid fucking reason. I have no idea why. But you're wasting your taxpayers' money doing this dumb shit because they're not about to change nothing. They're not about to, to, to emergency injunct and put them in. They're not going to award them a national title. They're not even going to award them a share of the national title. And if y'all hang one of them stupid-ass fucking banners at your school, I will forever laugh at you. <clears throat> they decided by their metrics, you didn't deserve to get in. It's tough. That's life. Shit ain't going to always go the way you want it to go. Things ain't going to always be easy. Get over it. You're going to get screwed sometimes. You're going to get the short end of the stick sometimes. It happens to everybody. It may happen to some more than others. Your situation may be more fucked up than somebody else's, but it happens to everybody. Get over it. There was one of the criteria that said, in plain English, if Somebody ain't available, it could affect your position. It happened to you, get over it. And for the people in Dre's question who are saying that Jordan Travis should have gotten a vote for the Heisman or should have been the Heisman and all of that just because he got this team got left out, shut the fuck up. You sound stupid because he was not the best player in college football this year. He just happened to be the most important player for a team that was up for the college football playoff. That does not mean he was the best overall player in college football. Let's not be stupid, people. But a lot of the times y'all think, well, if A equals B, then B, A and B must equal C. No, that's not how shit works. Find a better string of logic to put together than to say, well, if you're going to leave him out, he should win the Heisman. No, that's not how it works. Your starting quarterback got hurt. Your backup was out. Behind your third string, your team looked like shit. Behind your backup, your team looked meh at best. 
and you really wanted them to put y'all in just so y'all can get y'all heads beat in. Yes. No. It's about money. And like Sloan had kept saying, you got to follow the dollar. Who's going to bring in more ticket sales, more merch sales? Who's going to have more fans out there? Who's going to provide us a more exciting game? Texas and Alabama. Because they weren't taking out Michigan or Washington. Their no, quarterbacks no. are fine. Harbaugh came back from his suspension. They're the 100% put together. Damn the quarterback side of it. It, it no, it's your rant. I'm sorry. Go ahead. My bad. But it's like, I don't understand how these people can think that this guy should get the Heisman or why the state of Florida thinks we're going to sue. This is grandstanding. He never should have got the Heisman. No, no, no. It's doing, it's doing your, your, your taxpayers a disservice to waste their money on a moot point that's not going to change anything. Because it's already being changed next year with the college playoff system being expanded. So, to 12. It'd be different if it was going to be the same next year or they don't have this potential, this 12 team playoff going forward. Then I get it. But because this is the last year of it, it doesn't change anything. It's not going to be changed in time for. I think my thing is uh, it wasn't going to change nothing. No way. Because they're not going to go back and have some court ruling that's going to be ruled before these games get played to say that Florida State can get in now. You I can't say, force this entity to put your team in. You can't. If it wasn't for the 12 team coming up next year, I would totally be with them as far as like make your argument and 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 push forward. So that way it can change going forward. But because it's already being changed going forward, it's like you really just got to sit in the corner and cry about it. And I hate to say it because I do think Florida State was robbed. I don't really I, – I, we all know the third string won't going to play. The second string, Rodermaker was going to be fine in time for the um, the the college playoff uh, games to come. I do think they should have been in Alabama. That Alabama-Texas, is we talked about it, was very hard because mm-hmm. Texas beat them early in the season. But Alabama turned it the fuck on at the end of the season, and they beat mm-hmm. the number one team. Texas had a great season also. And that was more the argument was which one of them two should have gotten in. Florida State should have been three, and that four really should have been between uh, Texas and Alabama, and that should have been the argument. Alabama probably would have got in solely because of like what you and Sloan said. It's about money. It's but solely about money, and, and it's the SEC. This right here will be the last time I address that shit. And I swear <laughs> on everything I love, Dre. If you ask me another fucking question like that, I'm going to call you and curse you out personally. <laughs> Don't ask me no stupid ass shit like that no more. That nigga 7'4 and bald. You want those problems, brother? <laughs> <laughs> nigga 7'4 and bald. That's crazy. Five, no, 10, don't, laugh, don't laugh in the comments. Don't laugh in the comments. He my la- my, my rant is over. I bequeath my time. I'm gonna make mine short and sweet. Uh, hey Philly, come to the short to the to the forefront. Uh, I love my franchise. Oh boy, I do. I love us. Uh, we have squeak. Well, I, I'm gonna tell you this short story really quick. Uh, went to Little Caesars, got the kids some pizza tonight. Um, and uh, a Philly fan was in there. He had his hat on. I said, man. We've had a rough uh, two weeks. And the way he broke it down to me, 
I love it. It's, I, I feel like it's stance, KG. I feel like it's what we all should have had mentally, or what we all should have mentally when it comes to our team, especially in football, because football is a week to week game. And I hear a lot of football mm-hmm. players say it. Jalen uh, Hurts has said it all season. Once you win a game, you get excited about it. You're happy you won. You know, if you squeaked it out, cool. If you weren't supposed to win and you won, great. You're 1-0. But after Monday, once Tuesday comes, if you played on Sunday, if you play on Monday, uh, once Wednesday comes, whatever, Tuesday, Wednesday, either way, mm-hmm. once that new football week starts, you are now 0-0. And it's, yep. a whole new, it's a whole new week, whole new season. Yep. And – but – a lot of what he said made sense, and it, it had me thinking going into my rant because I had already told you my rant was going to be about Philly. It still <laughs> is. But it, it it softened it just a little bit because, like he said, regardless of the D-backs being weak, mm-hmm. that's the weakest part of the entire team. Outside of our OC and DC, that's, that is where my issue is. Rookie uh, um, coordinators, of course, but I hate the way Brian Johnson has been calling all season. You can tell that Jalen has not been comfortable in that offense the entire season. You have DeAndre Swift that when you give him the ball has produced when you give him the ball. When you start giving Gainwell too many uh, carries, when you're giving Boston Scott too many carries, I love them as running backs. Mm -hmm. But Swift is the number one back. Jalen shouldn't have to run as much because, and I love when Jalen runs. Jalen does exactly what he's supposed to do. KG, I'm not listening to nothing you talking about, brother. <laughs> All right? It's the D-backs. It's not the linebackers. You, oh, I don't even want to know who your team is because I feel like I know where this is about to go. You uh, already know where this is about to go. I know where it's about to go, and I don't want to have that discussion with him either. So, uh, congrats. Um, <laughs> but, Brian, but the offense hasn't been comfortable all year. Um, and even in this last game with Dallas, more the Dallas game than the 49er game, you could totally tell it was there was it was so predictable. The offense was super predictable. You knew what was gonna happen. Um the Cowboys had it like lined out. They knew exactly what what to do, how to you know combat it. Um on the defensive side of things, it's the D-backs. Our D-backs have been trash for years. Um Darius Slay is the best part of that defense backfield. Um, but it's the D-backs. The D-backs can't tackle. It's a lot of rookies, a lot of injuries also. No excuses. Um, uh, we talked about it earlier. Uh, Marquez, Marquez Valdez-Scantling not catching that pass. That's on the Chiefs, not on us. We were still in the game. We capitalized and won. Same thing with the Buffalo game. Same thing all season, to be honest with you, uh, with all the other wins. So it... Man, I don't know. It's we got four games left. <sighs> Seahawks win doesn't scare me anymore because of who the quarterback is. I'm not scared of Drew Locke. Uh, the Giants win don't really scare me too much. I feel like Collar is gonna like do some crazy shit and they're gonna beat us. <laughs> it's gonna piss me off because we lost. We lost to the Cardinals too. Also, the Cowboys. Cowboys lost to the Cardinals, too. Who was the quarterback? Wasn't it Josh Dobbs? That's crazy. 
Y'all lost to Josh Dobbs. <laughs> but you went hey, one man. one with us. And you it's... lost to the 49ers, too. That's crazy. But you went one and one with us. We ain't going to talk about it. That's, I, my other I rant. Love... That's my rant. It's coming soon. I hate Cowboy fans so much. It's not the franchise. Love... It's not the team. It's I the love, fans. Love, love, love this uh... time of year. And like... Uh... KG will laugh at this. Like, we got a homeboy, Ron. He is he's been living in Texas for 30 years, and he still sound like he just got off the plane from New York. Oh, for real? I have a couple friends like that. I have a friend like that. Like that New York don't leave you. I have a friend who was born in New York, lived there, and like maybe the first four years of his life, and he's been in Virginia ever since. Yeah. And he's still I ran into him a couple of weeks back uh, at the store. Bro sounds like he's he just left New York yesterday. Bro, Still. Look, and I'm like, how when you've been here when, so long? When I tell you after last night's game, when DeVito uh won that <laughs> game for him. Me up Philly without two <laughs> <laughs> this fool you have to say son like Ron. Look, I sent that fool that uh that scene from uh Goodfellas. With Joe Pesci in the diner, he said, I don't shine shoes no more. I said, oh, yeah, hey, that's yeah. DeVito now. DeVito sure. said, I don't shine shoes no more. I'm a quarterback. I'm going to be honest. He about to see <laughs> something crazy next week. Not this week, but next. And and then he still yeah. got to see us twice at the Bro. end of the, That D-line is going to be scary for him. Hey. That D-line I'm going to put it to you like scary. this. They don't have the receivers that it's uh, only scary. Had. It's only scary. For someone who's scared, that kid is playing with house money. He ain't scared of shit. He shouldn't be scared. <laughs> he ain't scared of shit. At the end of the day, he's the starter for the rest of the season, for real, for real. That's what I'm and saying. Even if they it, bench him, he still just, has. He still got to showcase his talent. But so, it's just like Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy came in and was like, "I'm playing with house money, nigga. I'm Mister Irrelevant. Nobody, yeah, nobody thought I would even be here right checking. now." Nobody's I'm not even supposed to be here, and I'm starting. <laughs> what? I'm gonna play carefree. Devito's I like the way he's been playing. I watched that game uh, last night. Like he's not playing bad. He's not oh, playing bro. bad at he, all. He's playing really good. The kid can ball, and I'm really enjoying like the way the league is going, where a lot of these inexperienced and or rookie quarterbacks can come in. And, Second, third string quarterback. You know, they can are. come in and kind of seamlessly transition into keeping that offense going as long as they play within themselves and within the offense. Because look at like again, the uh, uh the Steelers right now, like we said, like they're on you down to your third now. string quarterback, Mason Rudolph now, and, and the you're offense, still getting it done. And I and Mason was the guy until they uh they drafted Pickett, and I like Pickett. Exactly. Pickett got hurt. Trubisky and the only reason not the answer, but the only reason, and I heard this from a lifelong almost Steelers fan. I kind of figured this when it happened, but I just was – she even said it. A real good friend of mine, Desiree Hoffman. Shout out to Des. Her and that damn fuck, her, that fucking laugh. It's crazy. I'm going to send you all that tweet one day. The next time they post that video, why we always laugh at her laugh. But um, she even said the reason, main reason why they drafted Pickett is because they didn't want to have another situation like they had years ago with Marino where you didn't take the local guy, you pass on him, and then he goes on to have a Hall of Fame career. I like they, Pickett, though. They needed like a Pickett. quarterback. 
yeah. he was the local kid. He was there. He was available. He they did. didn't want to have From a repeat of it, so they took to it. He he I, checked the whole box. From Pittsburgh, he checked, Pitt. now he's a Pittsburgh Steeler. And hometown money. He still got tiny hands. It don't matter all of that <laughs> shit. He still got tiny hands. Turns the ball over way too much, and it's not he as does. accurate. And he gets does. choppy feet in the pocket and stuff. He's he not the guy. Love their, their running back room is nice too. Najee, uh, Najee Harris, and then the other guy that came in for Najee when he got hurt. Well, that was the that's the other thing that they've been talking about is. Like we spent this first round draft pick on Najee Harris and this other guy, he's our bet. He's he's the better back. But Najee also got like, hurt. It's just and KG will attest to this too. It's just like when the Cowboys was like, "Well, Bro, Zeke, Zeke is the guy that we paid." But look at Tony Pollard. But look at this season. If you honestly look at this season, Pollard being the number one back now, and 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 KG, if you stay here, you can. I don't think. Pollard has panned out very well as that number one back. I think he he benefited from having Zeke, and they don't have a strong number two to complement him. Mm-hmm. And Zeke being there, it helped both of them, but Zeke just was making too much money for them to keep him there, and that's what the problem was. Um, but I think they have to go out and get another – we're gonna we're gonna put a pin right there because that's gonna be our our college one of our topics next week. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I like that. We gonna we gonna get into some draft talk and because I'm a um, I like that. I can't really, I like I like when he be watching film. I don't always get a chance to go up there and watch it with exactly. And but uh, a good buddy of mine. He's the one that does all the draft profiles for NFL.com, NFL Network, Lance Zerline. Okay. And um, like literally, like if I go in his office, I can't take pictures of shit because it's all proprietary to the NFL or certain teams and stuff like that. And like I can't talk about it's like it's crazy. But <laughs> talking to him and over the years and stuff, it started making me like look at draft prospects differently. Mm-hmm. But that's some of the stuff we're gonna get into uh to touch on college football between now the combine the draft and all of that is looking at these guys as pro prospects going to the next level and yep. um we could we're gonna probably get into that next starting next week is it, just rank those guys and then after their bowl games time to take a look at if they play uh the guys who do play in their bowl games and say, okay, out of all of these pro prospects, who showed up the best in their bowl game? So Oh, and you had uh started to touch on something before, and this is the last thing, and then we're we're done for the night. Uh the Mikey Williams situation. Yeah, um, that was the other thing. I was we were glad that he basically got a second chance at yeah, resuming his yeah. basketball career. Very, and, very, very good talent. That that young that boy is Man. that boy has a gift, and I'm so glad the Lord and I rarely get you know hope, you know, but I'm glad the Lord was able to give him another chance right at life and at basketball right life for the most part because that young right. man on his nail wasn't what he needed or having that type of having that on his record it's right. always going to be on his jacket but to have it on his record at least right. I'm so glad he's not going to have the thing is, is you can you can come back from being 18, you know, 17, 18, 19, making a very stupid decision 
that that end up not harming anybody as opposed to being that same age making one of those stupid decisions and it costs somebody their life or yours you can't change that, in that right matter. you can't Jail. change that you can't take that back you can't really come back from that now I mean, they're doing you, the espn's doing a 30 for 30 on them talking about uh what could have been of mikey williams if he didn't right get you're the next you know woulda coulda shoulda special that everybody's gonna look at and be like damn he was gonna be one of those ones but and is he he's at memphis right is he able to play or is he gonna have to rest you know because i don't think when i've seen everything about Bronny, i don't think i've seen anything about him being able um you know, I don't know about his his playing ability. I'm I'm gonna have to find, let me see what this article says. But he's still he's on the roster as I'm looking. Yeah, at he's definitely on the roster. I just don't know what his eligibility is, and I think we're gonna have to wait for the NCAA to determine what that's gonna be and how that's gonna look. Because I believe they were also waiting to like the charges was one thing, and they didn't he didn't get kicked out of school or anything. He just couldn't come on campus. So a lot of the stuff he was, uh, everything was um, online school for him during the trial. So now that everything's over, I believe he is back on campus. Uh, they but- said as uh, this was from November 30th, as of earlier this month, he was enrolled in online classes and remained on the roster, but did not have access to team facilities or activities. And this was yeah, from an article written on November 30th. Yeah, it's still saying uh, he has yet to participate in any team practices due to legal issues stemming yeah. from the gun charges. Um, so basically, what's he'll probably, probably red shirt this year. And I, I would be honestly, I would be surprised um, if he stays. If he didn't, yeah, if he stays, I'd be surprised just go if he stays. G League. At this probably, point, I would say because, just go G League because another thing that. Um, You're getting the same thing without the school aspect of it. Too, yeah, another thing that I'm, I'm putting down for next week uh, talked about how I believe it's 15 out of the 30 first round picks in the NBA this year have gone down to the G League at some point. So there's a lot there. There's a lot of things there to break down, but I'm just glad that the kid was able to basically get away from the more serious charges, uh, plead down to some much lesser charges, uh, will be able to resume his basketball career and, and be a free man as long as he keeps his nose on the straight and narrow. But, I mean, just like you said, just thank God and, and hope hope and pray that the kid keeps his nose clean and, and can, you know, use his God-given ability because he's such a smooth, effortless player. It's just his man. athleticism is off the charts and he has a he has to improve on decision making and shot selection. Of course, as a lot of these young players have to, but you can see the framework for a really good, bare minimum, a good solid rotational NBA NBA player for at least you know three, four, five, maybe seven years if he stays healthy. Yeah, definitely. So, but with that being said, that's keys. I'm Jermaine. This has been Sucio Sports Episode Eleven. The own say. We'll be back next week. I'll let y'all later.